1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Our guest this week comes from a very... Talented surf rich family from Hawaii. Following his dad's footsteps, he's known as a charger and big surf and a standout at Pipeline at an early age. The good old days. He had the ability to go pro, but he opted to move to the mainland and go to college. Smart. Dumb. Smart. (laughs) Dumb. After earning his degree, he spent (laughs) 15 years at Surfer Magazine. Yep. Woo. We Evi- love it. Eventually, Bring it back. eventually running the magazine for seven. Last seven, he helped launch the dot-com side of the business, including Fantasy Surfer, which we love. Wait, you helped launch Fantasy Surfer? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. And the Surfer Pole Awards? You we helped? relaunched it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was gone for a while. It came back. Right. Well, we're going to talk about all yeah, of that. All that. Lots of stuff there. Yeah. And then he went on to Dragon Eyewear as Global Brand Director. For eight years of his career, nine, nice. nine, yeah, good time. Where he led, uh, go to market strategies, retail marketing campaign, and was a key participant in the acquisition of the brand. A lot of big movements there. Yeah, oh yeah. But as Kinda a surf, for that. but as the surf industry has <laughs> gone through many changes, it's forced a lot of the core, authentic, and respected people to jump ship to another industry. For the last five years, he's been a leader as an executive insurance broker and business development specialist. We welcome the ever-talented in and out of the water on the ping pong table, <laughs> Mr. Ricky Rocky Point Irons. Woo! Ricky Rocky Point Irons. All right, Thank, buddies. Thanks for having me on, boys. Appreciate it. We so are kicking it's this. definitely an honor. It's Friday, yeah. and uh, don't mind if we do. We're going to do a little shot here. A little, a little, little kicker. Don, a little Don Julio. Okay, but first, gotta yeah, we uh, have to have a toast. I mean, Lyndon's getting the ice cube. Don't choke on that one, bud. Rick, Ricky, Rocky Point, Irons. 
Let's talk about your lineage because you come from surf royalty. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, you know, it wasn't, I just was born into it, man. It was like, it, it, it was something I didn't even know when I was a kid. I Let's do it. Cheers. Yeah, watch out, watch out for the ice cube. Uh, cheers, cheers to you guys. Cheers. Kampai. Kampai. Cheers Salute. to long life, good health, and being present. Amen, yes. brother. Listen to Late Night with Chalky. Exactly. Oh, that was Ooh. smooth. Well, you guys go all in one one goal. Okay. I don't know. We're not really. That's good tequila. Dude, we're mm. fucking surfers. We're fucking yeah. surfers. <laughs> I thought you get the cheap stuff. Woo! No way. Only about the best. Sorry, it's right. uh, you know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Back to lineage. Okay, lineage. So irons. God, everybody always comes up to me and they're like, you know, I knew your uncle, I knew your brother, I knew your cousin, I knew, you know, because so, everybody kind of knows an irons <laughs> if you're a surfer, yeah. you know, and and sometimes for the good reasons, sometimes for the not so good reasons, you know. A couple guys are like, oh, your uncles are crazy, or you know, this or <laughs> it's that. Kind of good to have though. Yeah, it's exactly. But uh, how, I'll, how I hear many stories. Uncles, because you were telling us earlier. Your dad comes from a big family. Yeah, so you know, here's the story in a quick, you know, elevator story. So, my grandma and grandpa Irons, they lived in New Jersey, and this Jersey. is yeah, so this is back in the fifties, uh, not even the fifties. What am I saying? Like early twenties, thirties. Wow. My grandpa was sort of a rebel. You know, he rode a motorcycle. Was kind of like on his own. You know, through the you know nineteen twenties. You know, with, with you know no money, nothing. It was the depression, and he was kind of a, a wanderer. He gets in a motorcycle accident Oof. and breaks his leg. Um, he's holed up in a hospital for six months, so he can't go do his thing. And my grandma, who's, you know... Nurse, take care of him? They started meeting up. All of a sudden, she kind of gets some trap. He's like, fine, they get married. And so <laughs> he was kind of the type that could have never been married or been married. And she sort of just and like... you're talking the era of you... You get knocked up. You're getting married yeah. because it's oh, like, yeah. it's forbidden in that era. Oh, yeah. You're full Catholic yeah. too. Okay, so basically they get married. They're living in New Jersey. My dad, my my first, the first son they had was born. The second son they had was born, and then the third son they had was born. They had three sons, so they decide, you know what, we're going to move to Lamita, which is kind of South Bay, California. Had from not, Jersey, all from Jersey. Way. So they road trip. From New Jersey all the way to Lamita. And they end up in like South Bay. Not knowing about surfing, never even heard the word. So my dad's about two. My His older brother, John, um, was a couple years older. And then my oldest uncle was Bill. So on the road trip over, my dad and his brother, John, get botulism. Wow. From They, they went to a store. They bought some canned food. And, and, and it, my, um, my dad's older brother died. Oh. And he was three or four. My dad had botulism. He was sick for one whole year. So he came through. It was He's a miracle baby. So I wouldn't be here. There's a lot of us wouldn't be here, you know. So so your grandpa and... His grandma moved to South Bay. They had three kids. At yeah. that time. On but... the way, journeying over, one of them passed away from But botulism. the grandpa got botulism too? No, just the kids. Oh, shit. Yeah, just my dad and, and, his and brother. the brother. Yeah. So they get to California... Being the good Catholics they are, they have sex once a year, and uh, she gets pregnant. Yeah. So basically, super she, sperm. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, she in in eighteen years she had fifteen pregnancies. Wow. Yeah. So wow. you know, once a year, strong lineage over here. Yeah. Uh, once a year they do the deed, she get pregnant, and yeah. then you know another year, another one. So 
Anyway, to make a long story short, my dad had six brothers and two sisters, so there was nine of them in the family that, you know, and they just grew up super poor in, in kind of in Lamita area. My, my grandpa worked on refrigerating units. My parents, this is a crazy story, my dad and the, had, you know, his older brother Bill, then him, then there was uh, Jim, Phil, Matt, Mark, and John, so the six boys, seven boys. And then they Old had New Testament over yeah, here. Yeah. Just going through it all. No, it's the apostles. It's <laughs> the, the disciples. Yeah. And then there was Dorothy and Paula, who were my aunts. But the boys didn't have room. It was a two bedroom house. They slept in the garage. My grandpa turned the garage into their room, Man and they. Cute. So basically, they had six mattresses, or five, you know, and they would just line up in the garage, and then the oldest would be closest to the heater. So the heater was on at night, warming them up. The oldest got closest to the heater. The second was so the, the younger you were, the farther away from the heater you were. So you got pay your dues. Yeah, you got pay your dues. So that's kind of how he grew up. You know, wasn't privileged by any means. He was working when he was fourteen, fifteen, driving trucks, this and that. He got turned on to surfing, and uh, just fell in love with it when he was, you know, probably fourteen, fifteen. They would cruise down the beach, which is similar to your like your grandpa being like the motorcycle dude, yeah. kind of an outlaw. Like yeah. your dad followed suit, but it was surf, right? You know? Yeah. So my older brother, his my my old my oldest uncle Bill, he surfed a bit, and then my dad was the second. He started surfing, and he just got really into it. He was kind of was just like natural. Now, how far is Lomita from the ocean, the South Bay? It was about. I think it was about, you know, 20 minutes. They'd get a ride somehow. One of them had a car, drove them to the beach. You know, they just, they kind of winged it. You know what I mean? So We're talking early 50s or late 50s? No, we're talking about late 50s, early 60s. uh, Late 50s. Because my dad was 16. He was born in 44. So so he starts hanging out at the beach and just really getting into it. He starts surfing, doing better and better. And, uh, you know, they they love Rat Beach. Rat Beach was their place. Um, You know, Redondo, Torrance, that whole area. And that was actually the capital of the surf world at the time. Yeah. It's it's not... We've learned learned a lot of history doing this podcast about how instrumental and important and how much talent that's where it came yeah half jacobs and bing yeah and i mean belzy and exactly my yeah. dad grew up in that era and he he actually was mentored and, and learned to shave from half jacobs himself he, he he credits him as being one of the most amazing men ever in his life not just as like a shave but as like a role model you know because a lot of them were some were daryl's you know yeah. you had like yeah. You know, the Greg Knowles and these guys, and they were wild and this and that. But Hap was just like, Jacobs was, he was one of the best ever and just a craftsman at heart, you know. What a good, I mean, yeah, it was booming at that time. Like surfing was flourishing, like, it really I mean, they hit. weren't probably making a ton of money, but maybe by volume by that point, you know, at least. Yeah, it was of, all surfboards basically back then, yeah. you know. So my dad starts surfing a lot. And he surfed Rat Beach. So there's a funny story that, you know, Rat Beach is kind of a, an old sky spot, reunions and this and that. And my dad, um, when he was younger, had a trench coat he'd wear to school and he had a rat in it. And certain people say that they named Rat Beach after him, which is like a really famous How beach in Palos Because wow. he carried a rat and they call him Rick the Rat was his nickname. Because he kind of surfed Rick. with his hands like this, like little rat paws. Yeah. When he'd like hang five, he was really smooth, like, you know... It, I'll show you some photos, but like he was just, he had this great style, but he was known as Rick the Rat. Yeah. And so he was really into surfing, got, you know, super into his brother's gun. Jimmy was one of the best surfers, his younger brother. Ricky the Mouse. Yeah. I'm Ricky Mouse. <laughs> I never Not got. Not Mickey Mouse, Ricky Mouse. Yeah, I never got the nickname. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. But then there was, you know, and then Phil um, was like third brother and he had a 
really amazing style. He was one of the best, my dad said, and he ended up being Bruce and Andy Irons, his fathers, my cousins. So that's how I'm related to Bruce and Andy. You know, what was our age, your uh, dad and Phil? and My dad and Phil are about six years apart. Okay. Yeah, but it was funny because I always run into people and they're like, are you Bruce and Andy's uncle? I'm like, how old do I look, man? You know yeah. what I mean? But no, I'm cousins. So yeah. like my dad, their dad were brothers, but we're, you know, we were far apart. You know, we're about 10 years apart, 12 years apart. Uh, maybe even 15, but yeah. So, you know, so anyway, they grew up in Hawaii. Basically, my dad surfed, did really well, grew into surfing. But, you know, back then there's no industry. He, you know, he, he won the U.S. championships in 1965 at Ocean, you know, Oceanside. He beat, you know, Phil Edwards, Corky Carroll. I mean, he was a really top surfer, but he, he wasn't, you know, his sponsorship was maybe getting a free board now and then, a pair yeah. of trunks. We're talking yeah. early infancy. Yeah, we're talking sixty-five. Yeah. But he, yeah. you know, these guys were, were legends. You know, yeah. he looked up to them. But you know, they, you know, they respected. So him he's too. a little younger than like the bull and yeah, he's a bit younger. Dora, yeah, and all those guys. Exactly. Okay. So he starts going to Hawaii in the mid sixties. Um, he he tells me his best trip ever. He went to Honolulu Bay and props. 64. Oh, and there was no one there. They he'd go with his friends. They'd rent a house, stay there for three months, just surf every day at Honolulu Bay, no one out. And it was like one of the big winters where it was like the big swell of like whatever year it was. And they were just living in, you know, a little house. Like they would just show up because there's no like, you know, Google That's internet, like, find yeah. a place to rent. They would just get up, get up, buy a car together and then drive out and just look for a place to live. Like, and, and they found a place. They lived there for three months. He told me, surf Honolulu by himself, just with his friends. He said one day, he, he remembers, he, he said one of the best sessions I have, he goes, I took off on his, you know, six, eight foot perfect at Honolulu Bay, takes off, drops his shorts as he bottom turns, takes his pants up naked, puts them around his neck, rides the whole wave butt naked. At the end of the wave, as he kicks out, he throws his shorts back on. He's like, that was the best wave of my life. No one saw it. No one was there. I mean, that's, that's like the dreamiest, like, situation ever. Pulling up to a wave like that with nobody around. And I mean, that's... If you're a core surfer, like that, you know, to go, you know, pioneer and find a spot without people Uh, at that caliber. Yeah. It's Hawaii. It's right. I mean, not right there, but, you know, in terms of. Yeah. I mean, Honolulu was like. You're not going to some third world like country, even though it's really rural back back then and raw. Practically third world. Yeah. I mean, it was very, it was very. And, and, you know, the the locals were so friendly, though. My dad, you know, the guys like. None of them surfed yet, though. Really? No. And there was no leashes. So my dad's like, hey, if you don't know how to surf, you get one wave, you're done. You know, so it was really about preservation of the surfboard. Yeah. Like like that was as important as anything else because you only had one board. And no raw materials to like. You know, yeah. So like if you didn't know how to surf good, you didn't last long, you know. So it was there was a lot of factors, you know. And uh, but he loved that Honolulu trip. And then he came back. To California, um, you know, shaped. He got she was shaping under Hap Jacobs. He got drafted into the military, so it was during that Vietnam time. So him and all his buddies tried to get out of going in, you know, as they should. And he acts like you know he, he, he did the, the the knots on the knee. He like acted like you know he couldn't do it. I mean, there's the famous story of you know the shaper forgot his name Ricky something, but he cut his trigger finger off to avoid getting drafted, and it worked. No way. Yeah, yeah. He's, it, it, true really, story. True story. He's a shaper. I forgot his name. Ricky. Holy anyway. smokes. I Cut mean, his yeah. trigger finger off to not go. My other uncle, Jimmy, was a conscientious objector, so he didn't go, but he had to work in a hospital for two years. 
but my dad went. So my dad was at, you know, like the tr basic training and they basically lined them up and they're like, Vietnam, 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 Germany, Vietnam, Vietnam, just randomly. And then when they got to him, they just said Germany. And, and he, they made him a photographer. And he never even shot a photo. Like, it was like God just said, okay, you're, I'm sparing you. That is incredible. So Germany he, photographer. Yeah. So he goes to Germany for two years. And I had met my mom right before then. They got married. And he's shooting photos in Germany for, like, war military missions and all this stuff. And he's, like, 24. He's just like, get me the hell out of here. And uh, I was... Beach in Germany yeah, for a couple of years. It's brutal. Two years they were in Germany. Then they headed back to France on the way back to to you know America after his duty and I was actually conceived in France nobody knows that but I was conceived oui, in, oui. yeah <laughs> a couple of wine a little wine in Hossiger you know next thing you know there's a little Ricky you know Vous in there. Avec yeah what well, he said I yeah I, I, I whatever you said <laughs> sounded I know what you said Anyway, so we got back to California, and I was born. I was born in Torrance Beach, California, 1968, and at Torrance Beach Memorial. And my uh, my parents were raising me, and we lived right there in Second Avenue. I mean, he said two you know two doors down, with Beach Boys had a place, and they're playing in their garage. You know, it was just this magic time of life. And my dad was out surfing one day, and he's working, he's doing his thing, and he said he just like was you know you know, sometimes you put water in your mouth. He said he put the water in his mouth, and he almost gagged. He's like, screw this. I'm out. He's like, I'm going to Hawaii. So he packed us up when I was about one and a half, and we moved to Hawaii, the North Shore. And Thank just, you, Dad. Thanks. And yeah. we just showed up in 1970. Figure it out. 1970, we had all our stuff. and just, Was he shaping then? He like, was shaping. So, so he came over but didn't like have a job, but he came over as a shaper. Yeah. And my mom worked at the Kui Lima Hotel when they first opened. It's Turtle Bay now. But yep. the, when it first opened, it's called the Del Webb. And she was working there, and my dad was shaping boards, and I was raised on the beach, right, right at Rocky Point. Wow. Yeah. So that's where the, that's when it began, you know. And I, just a little kid in Hawaii, just little little Howley boy, you know, yeah. boy. But you know, there was like, did, did they have? Do you have uh, brothers and sisters, or your only kid? I have a sister who was born in Hawaii. She, um, she was born. Uh, she's four years, four and a half years younger than me. So mm -hmm. she was born at Kaiser, which was in town at the time, and. So I have a sister, and we just grew right there at Rocky Point. There was a couple, like, you know, transplant families there in the early 70s. It was, like, the Johnsons, like the Pete, Pete Johnson, Jack Johnson, but Jeff Johnson, Patty. And then there was the Coles, like Peter Cole, Lucky Cole, and their families. And then there was us and the Harlows you know, that lived right at, at a Pipe and just a bunch of local families. So we all just kind of used to hang out, have barbecues, you know, watch the sunset, just kind of grew up playing around the beach. You yeah. Know? And uh, yeah, that was that was it was kind of a, a cool time, you know. It wasn't yeah, the uncrowded coastline. So, 1970, you're one one and a half or something yeah. like that. And then obviously your dad is the one that introduced you into surfing. Right. Yeah. So when I was born, my dad had a surfboard shape for me, you know. But I, I, you know, we moved to Hawaii. I, you know, I was what, what, sorry to interrupt you. What's your uh, what's your dad's surfboard label? label? Well, my dad just, you know, had his own custom brand, you know, labeled Rick Iron Surfboards, but he shaped for, you know, some of the best. So he shaped for, um, let's see, you know, Downing, he shaped for Locomotion, Town & Country, 
HIC. Uh, he was with Locomotion for a long time. He made boards for buttons. Um, he used to make buttons That's boards cool. and like. Actually, that one roundhouse cutback shot of buttons on that single fin, that yellow board where he's doing that's my dad shaped that board. It's it kind of an iconic shot. You gotta find that one. Yeah, Joel that's... Tudor is like, dude, that's your dad's board. I saw it, and I was like, really? My dad shaped that? So, so he he shaped. You know, he was a great shaper, but he's sort of in that transition from the single fin. Then he started making twins. Then he was making sting stingers. You know, like that became a big thing for a while. Then that went away. And then he was just making kind of longboard guns. He made, she made a lot of you know Waimea boards, and um, yeah, he just started surfing a lot and working. It wasn't you know like this fantasy world of everything's perfect. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. Oh, Times he didn't have you know job. Had to, like, he was painting houses. He was just doing whatever we could to survive. You know, yeah. but it was so simple there. Hawaii was just like you got your trunks, you got your shirt, you got your slippers, you eat food at home, you hang out with your friends, you surf. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was really simple. Yeah, living. don't need much. Food, food and overhead was probably pretty inexpensive. It's just those those mainland, like, commercial items that were probably really yeah. hard to get a hold yeah. of, you know? Yeah, I mean, I grew up, like I said, with all these guys. And, like, when I was growing up, we didn't even have cable TV <laughs> till I was 13 years old, 14 years old. So we couldn't watch TV. There's only one house, <laughs> one house that had, that had so there was, there was a, in the mountains behind Rocky Point Pipe, there's, you know, where a the, dip. there's a dip. And so these, the Harlows had a, a TV antenna. And so their antenna could get reception from town. So we would all after school go over and watch like Gilligan's Island, the Brady Bunch and something else. And like all 10 kids would be sitting around this one little TV chips, like Pete Johnson, me, like all these guys, the Harlows. And like, we would just watch our little two TV shows. And that was, that was it. And that's all so we had. Rad. So we, you the know, ways are going off out the back, but you're like, Oh yeah. TV time. So, yeah. so you, you're saying your dad shaped you a board like early on? Yeah, I was. I mean, I like when I was born, I had a board. I mean, when I was my son's gonna ride that one day. I mean, he he <laughs> never pushed me on surfing. Like he would just. I mean, he wanted me to surf, but he never was like surf. Get you know, get barrels. Go be a pro. Like he didn't even think that. He just yeah. wanted me to enjoy the ocean. He taught me how to respect the ocean. He he'd teach me things about hey, if you get drilled on a big wave, like. Don't fight it underwater. Let it take you. And when it's done taking you, then you come up. Like, just things about working with the ocean, you know, it was more like just enjoying the ocean and respecting it and respecting other surfers. So, like, I really grew up in an era of, like, respect meant a lot. You know, when I was, like, a kid, I didn't have attitude. I knew who the boys were. I knew who to respect. I knew my place in the pecking order. And I never had hassles, you know, because yeah. I didn't go out there with a chip on my shoulder. I didn't think I was... Well, you had a good father figure, which, you know, yeah. again, yeah, like that shows a lot, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's how he was raised too, you know? So he, he, um, yeah, he, you know, his surfing career basically was, you know, the, the contest in, you know, California as a longboarder. Then he went to Hawaii and he, he came a real specialist at like Sunset and he, he was one of the you know, one of the good surfers at Waimea Bay Yeah, back in the day. He's, he had a lot of sessions at Waimea Bay. In fact, there's a shot of him at, um, oh man, at Waimea Bay. He's dropping in and he's wearing Speedos. I'm always giving him crap. I'm like, what are you wearing Speedos for? And then that girl Phyllis is on a boogie board in front of him, <laughs> bouncing down in front of him, dropping in on him. But yeah, he was a, he was a great surfer at Waimea. That, I never, I never liked Waimea. Yeah. So, I'm a goofy foot, well, so I go left. I, and, I can only imagine in his era, there wasn't that many guys 
just surfing or charging. So it's kind of like you yeah. got the boys going, you're going. Nowadays, you'd be like, yeah, it's a little crowded. I don't think I'm going to even catch a wave. You know, there's a lot of other excuses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he he loved Sunset and 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 why man? He loved Rocky Point. He's a Rocky rides. So we lived right on the beach at the right away. Like the the Jones family, McCall Jones, yeah. R.I.P. And his family bought the house when we moved out. And um, so oh, we, they they took the house that you lived in. Well, they bought it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were, you know, it was a front row seat to the whole scene. So me being, you know, five to ten to twelve to thirteen, I just sit there, look out the window, and like Tom Carroll would be riding wave, and I'm like, who is that person? And I'm like eight, and he's like eighteen. It was the first time I'd ever seen him. Like, that's the best surf I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So you know, like all these guys would show up from around the world surfing these waves, and I was yeah. just front row seat like a little kid at us at watching a rock concert going wow yeah like the best well the best the hottest, best yeah i want showing up as you were saying how your dad got there pretty early you know 70s yeah the busting down the door hadn't happened yet. no no he was there in the 60s before that yeah and yeah in the 70s they were just i mean it's just busting down the door it was like 75 80, yeah you know? so i saw all those guys like sean thompson was one of my on my idols and i like I were I helped Barnfield with stuff, and I remember he hooked me up with Sean, and so me and Sean got to meet, and Sean took me surfing one time at Rocky Point, you know, in his car, and I was like so nervous, and like I pull up, you know, and we go check the waves, and he's such a gentleman, such a good yeah. guy, and uh, you know, we friends off and on for a long time, but you know, he was just I remember feeling like so cool. I'm with Sean Thompson, he's yeah. in the magazine, and that's right. But you'd be out surfing, and we just had friends that were such good surfers, you know, it was like. Brock and Clark Little and Jason Majors and I mean Ronnie Burns we all looked up to probably the most and yeah. you know David Cantrell and like this it's whole so crew. gnarly to like imagine the scene Hawaii North Shore that seven mile miracle mile and you were there you know you you you're probably like four or five years old six years old when busting down the door was happening and you yeah. were probably on the beach watching that shit happening. But yeah, not knowing, right? just, and just not there. knowing. No, I just watching people surf. You yeah. know, like yeah. I, I mean, I watched the Pipe Masters, and we saw the dramas. You know, and you look back now, and I'm like, yeah, I remember that. You so, know, and so when did age. you start standing up and being like a surf kid? I was, you know, I caught it pretty early. I was probably about four or five, and I was surfing. And we used to surf the inside reform at um, Gas Chambers, and in the summers at Gas Chambers and Katie's and Rockies and all that. So we kind of learned to surf in that zone. And um, probably by about, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know, I was more surfing, but I was still into like, you know, sports, TV and like sports. And yeah. like, you know, I thought Fonzie was cool from Happy Days. And, you know, me and we dress, you know, we just didn't know. We were just surfing, having fun. But yeah, it wasn't like it is. Today. We, we just we're... lived our life on the beach, you know, yeah. like if we weren't surfing, we were, were people surfing we were... contests at all or no? I mean, amateur stuff wasn't really going on at that time, but around 1980, the amateur scene started picking up. They had the HSA. They had a, there was a really solid group of kids. And I remember uh, the first contest I surfed in was the Earl's Reef Invitational. So Earl's Reef is this little reef form on the inside of Sunset. And it, it, it was kind of a big deal for all of us. And uh, like, you know, Aaron Grabaric was in it and you know, Littles and... Kolohe Bloomfield was like, he was the man back then. Like, yeah. Kolohe is like, he was winning everything, you know. And, um, yeah, Chester, all these guys. But Kolo And so I, I won the Earl's Reef Invitational, and, and I was like, well, I'd never been in a contest. Was it mini hoot? Like, what was the division? It was just 12 whatever. under. Yeah. And it was just like was judged that the one by... Was the cap? You, you... No, no, that was the, that was the uh, mini hoonie surf contest at Hollywood. So the mini hoonie surf contest became like the biggest 
kid thing. It's still like still to this day. Yeah, the surf crazy. center Hollywood is amazing. So. I surfed in that, and yeah, that was like my first bigger condo. And that brought home. all the groms from all over the island. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, like, it was everybody, you know. It was your cute. house was at Rocky Point, though. Yeah, we lived at, we were Rocky Point. Like, yeah. I was a Rocky Point guy. Like, you know, everybody had their little station. So, like, yeah. if you lived in, like, Kolohe lived over at, you know, Popeye Low area, so they surfed their little secret spots there. And, you know, certain people lived at V-Land, certain people at Rocky, certain people at Sunset. And they, you pretty much just surf for your little spot. Yeah. So I was Rocky Point, you know, because that yeah. was like the funnest way for me. I'd surf it every day. And, you know, go to school, come home, run out, surf every day. Yeah. And was um, Sunset Elementary there already? So Sunset Elementary actually, um, you know, my, my parents along with like the Johnson family, a bunch of families helped build the, the playground and the school. And the first year it opened... The first year it was open, I was a kindergartner. Wow. So me, I was in there, Pete was there, like a bunch of people. And there were seven of us um, that went from kindergarten through sixth grade there. And we were the first class that, that went from kindergarten to sixth because the first year it opened and they called like the Super 7. And so, you know, we had a fun time. But yeah, I mean. It's really neat and crazy to hear that you're like, uh, what do you call, like uh, how you grew up on the North Shore? Like we've talked to people that have lived there. Lived there. We've talked to Ross and stuff, but your story is different because you were even there a little bit before him. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, and, I remember all those guys. You know, like yeah. I mean, but it's such a like you said, it was pretty rural and like empty. Yeah. And then as it started developing, like that's why I asked about the school because it's like I know there wasn't enough kids you know, at the earlier years to, you know, yeah, go to at, school to on the side of the yeah. island. No, know? for real, I think everybody was going to... Like, we, like, we don't want to drive, yeah, halfway around the island. Like, let's, you know... Well, a lot of kids lived went to, like, Punahou and town schools, you know? So, like, the littles went to Punahou, and they used to take the bus and didn't get home until 5, 6 o'clock at night, and then finally yeah. they said, screw that, and they went to Wailua, you know? So... But yeah, I mean, Sunset Beach Elementary happened to start right when I was a kindergartner. So it was really cool to be able to go to school there. And and I had a great, you know, and I started doing well in school. I mean, I was, um, you know, I just, for some reasons, like I wasn't like a brainiac, but I just did well in school. It wasn't hard for you. You liked it. It was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, my parents. It always came easy. Uh, pretty easy you know like I was there was hard times too but like it was you know I did pretty well in school and but I and I always went to school you know I never cut class like even through high school I I went to class like people just laugh at me and be like you know like yeah, you going off? What do you mean well now he's like all the kids that surf and they're into their like homeschooling they you know miss week so you know? different I went to school every day yeah like I mean so, I'd drive by and it would just be pumping and I'd just be like I'll just go after school yeah. I mean yeah. whether it's a parent's pressure or just at the you know whatever yeah, but it, it helps it. build the character you are now you know hard worker you know yeah. it's there's something to say about yeah showing up and not just ditching and, and putting the time in you know like, yeah so i mean you missed earlier, a lot of barrels but no <laughs> earlier we're, we were talking about how life's chapters right yeah chapters so that first surf chapter you know you're you start getting good and comfortable around what age seven eight I think like it was more like around 12, 13, 14, okay. you know, I mean, I was comfortable, but I mean, as far as like getting into like competition or like yeah. surfing against other surfers where it was measured, you know, or yeah. like adventuring with other breaks. Yeah. That yeah. Adventure, yeah. We didn't like, I didn't surf pipe till I was like 14, 13, yeah. you know, we'd surf it on little days, but like, like it was just like sort of that thing you graduate from Rocky point and then you have to go to pipe, but you didn't go there till you were a certain age. Nowadays, like kids are 
a ten out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But back then it just was like, no, no. There's you gotta, a hierarchy. There's yeah, you a, wait. Yeah. And then when you're like 16, 17, 18, then you start to serve pipe. Yeah. Then you, you know, but that's been broken down now. But back then that was kind of the way it was. And it was fine because, you know, we were ready when it was time to serve pipe. But we didn't like, we waited till, yeah. till it was the right time. Because in, in my mind, I, I want to know like, okay, here's Ricky. Rocky Point Ricky, <laughs> and you, you know you you hone your skills and yeah. you know develop your craft and your like you know your courage in in Hawaiian style waves. Yeah, and Rocky Point's shallow. It's so shallow. Barrels. Chambers. I mean, it, the reef is gnarly there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's a um, high performance. You know, one of the most high performance waves on the North Shore, right? Yeah, I mean, we if not the most. I mean, I and we surf Rockies, Katie's, which is like in the middle, and gas chambers. So we surfed that whole zone, and yeah. we, we were basically just pulling into closeouts in front of dry reef. Like at you know at Rocky Rides, it's just dry reef. There's death rock, so we just got used to pulling into closeouts, and we just do it for fun. We thought it was cool because we learned how to like you know kind of starfish when we hit the reef, and just kind of learn how to yeah. judge the ocean. Like we got, I got tons of donuts, tons of cuts, cuts, you know, all these things, but. You know, we we learned, so we did. We didn't just like jump out at pipe yeah. when we were like and, thirteen. You know what I mean? And we, you living there, right? Yeah, right on the beach, like knowing every single local because you're a local. Yeah, and you know, like all those different spots, sunset, you know, pipe. Yeah, all have their different locals. Have their different locals, and and like you said, you you kind of you you had to make your way up that uh, ladder. the ladder. Yeah, yeah, the ladder. Yeah, I mean, it was important. I mean, I don't. Today, like I said, it's different. There's like little kids that go out of yeah. pipe, you know what I mean. Yeah. But th- I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying the way it was then, it was the way it was, and and like we respected the main guys, like Marvin and you know and Derek and guys that were on it every day and Max Medeiros and you know just guys that paid their dues. And before them was Jerry and you know guys that were just super gnarly. Yeah, you know. So and that's what's funny is you were there. Yeah, at those at their prime too. Watching them, yeah. yeah. And I Mickey, would just we just sit there. Mickey Nielsen and Derek Ho and freaking Marvin, all those guys were running. Ronnie Burns and yeah, Ronnie Dave was Dave Cantrell and yeah, Dave was just a little older than me, so like he started adventuring, you know, like and then and then uh, yeah, Pipe kind of just came on when I was about now. When when you when you are getting good and you know what Pipe does, and you're like. At that point of like, okay, I got to get out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, what was that like? <laughs> do you have the right board? Do you yeah. Know? Like, cause you know, do you borrow a board? Do you like? I yeah, I remember specifically like the first like, time I served pipe. We it was like Super Bowl Sunday, and <laughs> we were going to our friend's like house. Real Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. And no we wait, were, like the football game yeah, going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 Super Bowl Sunday, bro. Yeah, come on. Because there's less people in the water. Yeah, everybody yeah. was kind of just like, whatever. So me and my parents were driving to this barbecue. My dad's like, hey, let's pull over and check check the waves. So we look at pipe, and it was like, you know, it was smaller in the morning, but it was came up, and it was like six foot solid, you know? And I hadn't really surfed it that much, maybe a little bit playing around. So I had this six eight, and he's like, just go out there. And so I paddled out, and like... I don't know. It was just, I remember catching a couple waves and it just like clicked. And I was like, wow. And it was nice because it wasn't crowd. Like Adam 12 was out, who's like a crazy old charger there, and a couple people. And like, I just got a few good waves. And I remember just like, it just, I, I was just addicted after that. I was just like, like, this is my jam. I was like, you, that feeling you get, even. How old are you? 
probably about 17. Okay. You know, 6, 17. And what, what board were you riding? I was riding uh, Barnfields then, yeah. 6, 8 Barnfield? Yeah. And so, I, and so you graduated from your dad's boards? Yeah, because my dad wasn't shaping as much then. Um, what, um, is your dad goofy or regular? My dad's regular foot, okay. and I'm a goofy, so he, uh, he was always bummed about that. But yeah, he. Um, so I just went out there and really it just caught on. I was like, wow, this is like... This is this is it, you know. So I just started. I mean, I served Rockies all the time, but when pipes started to go, once, I would yeah, go. Once it hit that size and out yeah. in front of your house was kind of max your pipe. Yeah, I was pipe pipe bound, you know. So I, you know, so I, I was doing that, but then you know I had a hard stop because I, I graduated high school and I went to college. So you know I had been to California a bunch of times for contests like the Nationals and U.S. Championships, and you know. I remember we had one US, U.S. Championships. It was like Doug Silva, Clark, me, Terrence McNulty, you know, Jeff Booth, these guys all in these finals. And I, I remember just like, I wasn't used to that intensity of competition. Like Doug Silva was like, you look at him and his eyes were just blazing, man. That guy was so competitive. And I'm like, and David Intensive intensity. I was just like, oh my God. He, like, he freaked me out because he was so intense. You know, he's so mellow now and he's such a good surfer. But I remember just going, wow, this is next level you know we're yeah. surfing trestles with a couple guys out and then i'm going back to hawaii you know so it's just like i did a few events and then i i graduated high school I, you know i did good in high school i was a valedictorian and so wow. dude yeah so i had to give the speech in the wailo high school i mean everybody always makes fun of me and they're like this why though but yeah you, you know anybody could be a valedictorian there yeah. <laughs> and they're pretty smart. yeah yeah but anyway no i was cool like somehow i was like all the smart kids were like how did this this mf get there you know what i mean i was like i really don't know but they count your grades since ninth to 12th yeah so i was like all right you know so i had to do what were your subjects did, did you know interested you were in? going to be valedictorian not really till like the, close to the end of the year and then all the smart people that went to all the like me and the clubs and all they were like how did he you know so yeah so like <laughs> they did all the extracurricular yeah like, all the extracurricular like all this stuff and they're like what the hell yeah like, he's like, like yeah rick Rocky Point Ricky's like, because they don't want a fucking nerd yeah, yeah. to be valedictorian. <laughs> well, I was good. I was good at math, and That's I was math was there. I was good at math. I was good at you know memorizing things. You know, I'm not like I said, but I just I got by and I knew how to play the game. I was competitive. I've always been competitive in school, in surfing, everything. in everything, ping pong, surfing, pool, everything. You know what I mean? And so in school, so I was like, I just you know I would. Do my best, but not. I, w- I didn't really grind, but like, let me give you a funny, quick example yeah. of what school in Hawaii was like. This is not like it always was. We had this this uh, chemistry teacher, and he was a sub because the main chemistry teacher um, was sick or something. So we would like sit in class and we'd like flick matches at people and yeah, yeah get away yeah, with anything. Yeah. And so I remember his name was like Mr. Takahashi or something, you know, they're all, everybody in school was Japanese, Filipino. I was like, you know, there's like a handful of white people, you know, so, so he's like kind of weird, kind of weird. He smokes cigarettes. So we, we, we go in his desk, find his cigarettes and we'd light him and put them all like the shelves around the classroom and he'd be sitting there all of a sudden smoke and be like, what is that? What is that? What are you doing? You know, so like, anyway, so the end of the school year comes up and I, I hadn't been doing that good. And I think I had like an 81, you know, like my average. So he, he, each student, he like goes, Hey, he, he says, come up and we'll, let's discuss your grade. So he walks, I walk up and he goes, you know, you got a, you got a 82 or 81 or three or something. And he goes, what do you think you deserve? I said, well, you know, Mr. Takahashi, I was, I tried really hard and 
I really care and you're such a good teacher and he was all like, and I go you know I, I mean it really means a lot and you know I think I deserve an A he goes okay <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's like woo it's finest yeah I mean you, 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 you know just do, work yeah. in the room and the teacher filling it out how to you know I mean, I mean that 1A could have been not valedictorian yeah. so you know you never know but anyway so there was school was cool I learned a lot there was a lot of good classes I, I think teachers could genuinely see kids that, that try or they're putting yeah. in effort yeah. you know versus ones that are the good you know, teachers yeah well yeah I mean, I went to school with a crazy crew. Like, by the time I graduated high school, Shane was there, Ross was there, Brock was there, Clark was there. Like I was there. All-star. Maddie Leo was there. Yeah, they had a surf, um, surf team competition. Yeah, like, we... Clean house. The McNamara's were there. Like, it was... There was some... Like, so, before we leave Hawaii... Yes, yeah, leave Hawaii you, soon. Okay. Yeah, not yet, though. Okay. So, what was it like surfing in contests against those guys, or even just, like... Like the competitive nature in the water, what was that like? That that's a good question. Because you got guys with talent, and then you got guys who are just competitive nar, and then you got chargers. Both, both, yeah. Which are no, no. A lot of those guys. How Chester was the the guy, the guy, but also the instigator, and just like call you out and throw you, yeah, throw you into the 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 abyss. The abyss. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Well, I went to college when I was about 18, so I was sort of out of the scene from 18 to 22. I was surfing, and I started pro surfing in California in college and all this stuff. But up to that point, yeah, I surfed against Chester, surfed against Kaipo, surfed against Aaron and Darren Napoleon. They were freaking gnarly. Surfed against some of the gnarliest guys you, you could think of, Sonny Garcia, like guys like that all the time. And, you know, I had some good wins. I had some losses, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was super competitive. So, like... You know, I remember. Who was your rival? Did you have like one particular guy? Or? I didn't really have a rival. Like when we were young, Kolohe was like the best surfer. Clay Boomfield, like he was pretty much in Christian Budrow, super good, and Chesser. But Chesser lived in town, and so like you know he'd come to North Shore off and on, but we didn't see him on a regular basis until a little older. But we he would surf against him, you know. And it, but but it was really competitive. Guys would try to paddle each other. I mean, I, I can you know I a certain contest i was in i remember i was in an h pack at pipe and i'm going to take off and it's like it was me and johnny boy and davy boy and somebody else in heat <laughs> and i remember i was like really intimidated you know and like i i was like so of course you know johnny's first way this and that and i'm like a set's coming and i whip around i start to go and he's paddling up the face and i see him he's like staring at me and i'm like oh and he, he goes he he goes to like sing through the wave and he like kind of kicks his foot and he goes, do something like that. <laughs> right as I was teaching. Johnny boy or Davy boy? Johnny. Johnny boy goes, do something. <laughs> and He's I, so competitive that I could tell he probably wanted you just to, yeah, just he was to just, stick it. He was fired up though. Yeah. It wasn't like rousing me. And I remember thing. I just took off and I'm like, I can't eat it on this. So I like, I remember I side slipped down the wave and I like, it was kind of heavy and I pulled up and I ended up not coming out. But, but I remember just it, like but you packed it. I packed it, and yeah. I was like, "Oh man, if he says do something, I better do something." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because you're talking two of the most like mouthy, oh, obnoxious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, well, just just they're verbal. They're and verbal, they're gnarly. and they're, yeah. they're gnarly. I mean, I saw That's... contests. I saw contests in in town. I mean, I didn't. I was pretty mellow. I I knew who how to talk to people. I didn't give people attitude. I didn't, you know. Hey, you know, I think I'm better than you. Like people knew, not not that I was like scared, 
but I just was comfortable who I am and I respected them as people. And if they came at me and said, you know, the classic example would be somebody be like, what, what you looking at? You know, what, yeah. what, Hollywood? And I'd just be like, I'm not looking at anything, man. Yeah. And then they'd be like, what, you like something, you know, like that? Yeah. And you I'd like be, beef. You like beef? I said, no, man, why would I want to fight you, man? You kick my ass. Like, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just out here having fun, dude. No worries. And they'd be like, well, okay, okay. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was just, and they knew me, you know? So like yeah. when I was two, they were two. When I was five, they were five. When yeah. I was 10, they were 10. When they were the boys and gnarly at 16, 18, I was 16, 18, but they knew who I was. Yeah. I wasn't just some outsider, you know, and they respected me for my surfing and like just being a good guy and like trying to treat people right. Well, we talked to, you know, you know we talked to Mickey and other Howleys and, and yeah. being the minority over there for the, you know, for the most part. And, and it was... Yeah, gnarly. Yeah. It it could be gnarly, but I mean, I but I know, really did a, I did it. But it is a respect, you know, yeah. culture and, and yeah. community, and and I stayed out of trouble, man. I didn't, you know, I wasn't into certain things, and like I didn't put myself in situations. My dad was respected as a shaper and a person, and I just tried to treat people right. I always, yeah. that's like one of my mottos. I even tell my kids and friends, I'm like. Just don't burn bridges, man. Like, yeah. you know, like I see people even when I was in the surf industry and later, like you burn bridges and it comes back to you, you know, it's yeah. like, and it might not even come back to you financially or whatever. It's just, it's not worth it, man. And what's crazy, like, you know, I never spent that much time on the North Shore. He has, but you know, when, when you're reading the magazines and you're immersed in surf, like I have been all my life, it's a trip because it's, you know, it's seven miles and it's, you know, it's an yeah. island. It's, it's paradise. It's every surfer's like, you know. But the stories are real and what you you get highlighted in the magazine yeah. is like the gossip and, and you know, the highlights yeah. and stuff. But there's but, like a dark side to the North oh, Shore. Oh, yeah. The I dark mean, side of Huntington, dude. You can't I mean, it's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. No, but, no, you but just, it's crazy when you think about Hawaii. Yeah. And, no, but you, you know, get used you, to it growing up there. Like, I... And like sometimes it doesn't freak you out. Like, I remember I was out at Rockies one day and it was packed and it was so good and everyone's out like... Roadblock, this guy we called Roadblock, David Antai, and like all these guys around, it was crowded, and all of a sudden, like this beef goes down between like the locals and the Brazilians, and all of a sudden, like everyone just mass fighting at Rockies, and then they end up at the beach, and like I was just out there with like two other guys, and we were just laughing, we started finally catching waves, everybody's <laughs> brawling on the beach, and we're like, all right, Ricky's going, hey, he's talking shit. Yeah. Yeah, so hey, like you know, shit. Yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, after a while, I was just kind of like you get used to it, you know. Just yeah, I'd be driving down the road, I'd see like people that you and I know, like just getting beat up on the side of the road, you know. But you know, or you know, I've, I've been to contests where you come in on the beach and the guys piss from the water and just decks guy right there in front yeah. of the, the judges stand. They don't do anything, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you just, but you learn respect, and it's like I didn't freak out about it, but it's just it's yeah. just it was just different, you know. But it wasn't. Bad. It's it was okay. just. You're, it wasn't like you know people were pulling gats out, shooting each other. You yeah. know, it was just brawl. You're it was like of it, and you, you knew how to avoid so, it. And yeah. you so you were there when the Brazilians started coming over there. Oh, they're yeah. like one of the last guys to start. Oh, uh, it was there, it right? like when I was sort of in my surfing a lot. The Brazilians were really intense, and there was like a lot of negativity between like like between the locals and some of the Brazilians, not all of them, you know, but like, so yeah, we were, we just drop in on guys, yeah. you know, like drop a pipe or something, but it was, yeah, it was, but I think Brazilians, you know, they're some of the coolest people I've met, yeah, you know, like, and like sure. I had some of my best friends and like nowadays they're, I think 
super respectful. I don't think they were disrespectful then. It's just how they were raised. You yeah. know, they didn't get it. They're hungry and, 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 yeah. and driven and, and scrappy. It's just like anybody coming from yeah. Poor, yeah. a poor place, you know? Well, like, if you grow up scrapping for what you can get, right? Yeah. Like, you take that wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Unfortunately, because like you said, they don't, they're just, that's what they did. So that's yeah. probably like their mentality everywhere else. But I had some of my best, you know, like Flavio Potteros, a good friend of mine. I went on a couple surf trips with him and like, coolest guy. You know what I mean? So there's just, it's just anyone. I mean, somebody from California could be lame. Somebody from anywhere, you know? Yeah. So it's well, like... you know, we're, we're talking about busting down the door and how yeah. that was some crazy... Okay, pause. So would you want to talk about the cover? What cover? Dude, cover don't, you don't, us don't, earlier. don't blow my cover. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you were surfing Rockies and you got... So, yeah, so here's a little kid, you know. Eighth grade? No, no, no. I was way Sophomore. older. No, I was older. I was like 15, 16. Going to Wailua High School. I, you know, I surf Rockies every day. So I'm sitting on the shoulder, like on the Ronnie Bowl in the corner. And, you know, everybody goes left. But, like, the way it wedged up, it kind of broke right. So I went right for, like, one out of... I've never, like, you go right, like, one out of every thousand times, but I went right for some reason. And I don't even know there's guys in the beach shooting photos or anything. So, anyway, I was, I, I, Rocky left corner, coming back towards Rocky Rice, and I just, this little whitewash came, and I kind of hit it, and I, my board flew up in the air, and I was kind of planted on my board, and then I came around, and I fell. Didn't, you, you pulled know, it off. Of course. Well, back then the flyaway air was like everywhere, like yeah. Ted Robinson and you know, all these guys. Just, and they didn't have the, you know, the shutter. Yeah, nobody had to it. show that they made it, yeah. right? You know what I mean, so, there was no eight eight shot sequence then no. back then. So randomly, Bob Barber, who's a legend, and legend. he, I mean, he shot that that famous shot, um, you know, Mavericks of, um, you know, the one where. Jade Moriarty yeah. was flying over the yeah. That was his shot. So, but anyway, Bob shot this photo. I didn't even know who he was. I didn't talk to him. I didn't talk to anybody. I just went surfing, came in, you know? And so I'm at school and um, I go to, like, somebody said, this shaper of mine, Bill Barnfield, he's like, yeah, the magazine called, asked for your name, and da da da. I was like, huh, that's weird. So, anyway, I. Um, Going to Vaughn's. He, he didn't say anything to you? He said, he well, they, he thinks they're going to sh- run something, you know. And I, I was like, he kind of was like playing it off, you know. So I walk into Vaughn's, uh, not Vaughn's, but Foodland. Foodland. You know, right at the bottom of Puka I rock into Foodland. And I look and like, bam, there's a cover of Surfing Magazine. And it's me, like up close, shot of me doing a backside air. And I'm like, like some 15-year-old kid. I, I have, how many months after that oh, session? Four, four. Five, six, you know what I mean? I didn't you even, forgot I, about it. I didn't even know. I surfed a hundred times that yeah. winter, you know what I mean? I didn't even, it wasn't like, you know, not, people used to go, hey, I'm going to shoot with you. Let's go to the beach. We'll shoot photos. And yeah, you're just surfing yeah. your normal I'm just surfing. home break. I'm right just a little front. kid. It was like, it was a random luckiest thing ever, but yeah. it was funny. So I, I, my, oh my God, you know, so we like, I get them and I line Did them all up. Yeah. Them. You know, <laughs> I didn't buy them. I only bought one, but like I lined them all up. So that that's all you could see was the surfing <laughs> magazines. And like, I like, nobody really knew there's no social media back then, but I, we were, you know, friends knew and we would talk about it and they laugh. And I was, I was. You right. got to school next day. What's up? He's yeah. laminating on the outside of his book covers. No, no. <laughs> I think I was writing for Mango at the time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was a Mango team. Yeah. Right? Tony Meniz hooked me up with Mango and it was from HB. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was mango, but they just gave me a couple pairs of trunks. and um, They didn't fit me there so big because I was such a little girl. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't even have a sponsor. I didn't get photo incentives. Nothing. It was just a cover. 
and Bill Barnfield was making my boards and uh and I used to have to dig ditches in his backyard. I put a fence up, like digging like pit, like fence posts, yeah. like putting like the cement in, like busting my ass, sweating. And I would work, work, work at like five bucks an hour to get a surfboard. And then I, he gets on the cover, me shot of me on the cover, still buying the board. No free board. Wow. No free board. Just come back and work the next day if you want another board. And, that is and so hilarious. I, and a person, if you were a pro surfer and got photo incentive, a cover back then probably have been two grand. Or uh, three maybe grand. a thousand, fifteen hundred, yeah. but it would have been a lot. I mean, for me, that would have been like the most money I've ever seen in my life. You know what, though? We talk about it's been like, spam Mr. Beast's yeah. desire, right? You know, however long the magazines were around, there's only 12 covers a year. And like, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're in history. You're forever. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. But the funny thing was, it was like one of those shots that looks fake, you know, because like my hair was perfect and my face, like, yeah. you know. And people were like, that's not a real shot. That's not a real... You know, they really believe, like, you know, back then you could do those fake photos. Like, you jump in the air and it looks like you're, yeah. like, in a spaceship or Especially something. Especially if they know where the, where it was shot at. Like, Rocky laughs. They're like, what, that, that's not, what do you mean yeah. he's going right? Like, Well, I just got lucky. It was the flyaway air period. I don't think I landed many airs my entire life. But, like, yeah, so, I was... But it was funny because it kind of, like, got me a little exposure, you know? And yeah. then, then that next summer I went to California for... Um, like a surf contest or something at Huntington and and that cover was out it was like May when it came out in June so I like I had the cover and we're like driving around I'd put it up to the window and <laughs> me and my friends would be in the car and we'd be like follow us he's just the cover guy we were trying to pick up chicks and like yeah. use the cover I think it worked once actually yeah. <laughs> but you know it, right after that I got I started riding for Bill Along and um yeah and Bob kind of hooked it up through Bill Barnfield and then yeah. we how did you get on Mango? Tony Meniz. Tony, oh, okay. you know, I was just a little grom and I knew Tony and I was at Holly Eve. He's like, hey, you want some shorts? And, you know, this night he just gave me some. I mean, I wasn't really like on the team. He just gave me some shorts yeah. and yeah, shirts. Spreading and, the love, man. You know, and, and so. And Barnfield, how did that um, arrangement come up? I just knew him from being around and I started working like for him a little bit to help out, to pay some bills. And, you know, my dad was a shaper growing up, so he was a shaper too. And, you know, so I. Were you riding his boards up until then, or I rode my dad's, and then my dad um, actually became like a he, he got involved with North Shore Christian Fellowship, so he became like a pastor at the church, a, a, assistant pastor. So he really got saved in that Calvary movement. So our family really, it kind of really like brought the foundation in our family that kind of glued us together for life, you know. Yeah. So it was really really cool. So he's kind of stopped shaping, and I started riding for Barnfield. Wow. I rode Barnfields and I rode Rossons. And then I rode JC's when I was on Rusty. So, like, I had some of the best shapers ever yeah. making my Dude, boards. And sure. I was really blessed, you know. So, but yeah, so yeah, that cover shot. And then Bob signed me to build how a barn. Did, how did that go? Uh, how did that come about? I just, he's, I guess they knew about the cover. Something happened, and like, he knew Bill Barnfield somehow. And next thing I know, they sent me a contract, like this photo instead of contract, and it was like Bob signed it. Was there any other kids your age on Billabong? Or kind like... of a few at the time, you know, like Sonny was on Billabong and some of that. Like uh, I have one more funny story before we get out of Hawaii because this is this is a good one. So me and my friend Scott, you know, we're Rocky Point guys. So six, we go out the crack of dawn. Not often, but we go out. So me and Scott were out there, and we were like 15, 16, 16. And we're out by ourselves, and it's killer Rockies, and these two guys are walking down the beach, and it's gray light. We couldn't even see. And Scott's like, beat it, kook! You know, you're the fuck yeah. out of here! 
speak. He thought he was being all cool and cocky. And he's like 17 maybe. And I'm like 16. Yeah, you guys are on it. You're yeah. local. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, these two guys start palling out. And as they get closer, I'm like, oh, shit. It's freaking Bob Hurley and Sonny Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> so like Sonny is just pissed. And he knows it wasn't me because like I wouldn't do that and it's not my voice. Yeah. He pals right up to Scott and he's like, why? What are you trying to invite me, bro? What do you think you're? And ever since then, him and Scott like had this thing, and Bob was <laughs> laughing, and I was like, "Oh my god!" It was like, you gotta be careful who you vibe. Yeah. Five but it was Bob Hurley and Sonny Garcia. I'm like, Bob sponsors me. What are you doing, dumbass? You, you, know? you know, when you come up and see who it is, you gotta like just laugh it off because yeah. it's like, "Oh, this is a grown That's spot," and they're talking shit. Sonny Garcia, like, you're talking to the wrong person. Oh. No, Sonny was not happy. <laughs> no. Sonny never let that one go. He was like fierce competitor, but he's always. Such a good friend to me, and like oh. so loving, and like yeah. heart to heart. Like that guy was wore his heart on his sleeve, you know. Yeah. And like I always appreciate that about him. And he always knew how much I respected and care about him, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he's so. yeah. He was. I but mean, I thought it was funny. I was like, great, my sponsors are getting tilled to beat it, and Sonny Garcia is next to him. I'm like, this is not going to go well. And you know, Bob's just like, yeah, I got Sonny Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. No, Bobby. <laughs> no one's going to no call me off the yeah. wave. <laughs> Bob's just laughing. He knew it was an accident, but it was just, it was one of those moments where I was like, this is not happening. <laughs> but, so anyway, I graduated high school, and then I ended up going to Point Loma in why, San Diego. Why Point Loma? Waves? Um, school? You know, both? I wanted to go to California because I, you know, you're a little kid in Hawaii, you grew up there your whole life, and you're like, oh my god, California, there's like girls and waves and things to do, yeah. and you know, Hawaii is cool, but you know, there's not much to do, you yeah. know what I mean? And so I what, thought what Southern California. Your, uh, what, what was your career aspiration? You know, I didn't even have one. I was just kind of like, I want to get a business degree. I mean, I thought my dream job would be like team manager for a surf company. You know, like, I'm Which like, wow. Which is kind of a killer job. Yeah. yeah but but I, at that time. Yeah. yeah. And I was just lucky enough to be in an era where there wasn't a lot of money in surfing and nobody was like talking about not going to college or, you know, I wasn't. I just never thought of not going to college. I just went immediately, graduated, came to California and ended up at you know at point loma and it ended up being a school i thought i was gonna go to for a couple of years i'd never even been there i just showed up my and back then there was no internet to show me pictures of my dad had a photograph of the school you knew the location like it's i knew Diego. the location i knew so, it was ocean beach so you never wanted to be a pro surfer i mean i thought maybe some like no i didn't like i just thought maybe i'd work in the industry you know yeah and i because when i left at 18 i hadn't really surfed pipe much i had done really good in amateur contests but i was more into school at the end and just surfing for fun and yeah and i just had friends when, and, when you're talking sunny garcia bob hurley that's when our industry was starting to percolate and yeah and quicksilver was starting to do more and surfing was coming on yeah it really right? like i went to college in the late 80s early 90s so the industry was just revving up right yeah. then you know what i mean with yeah. tom carroll and aki and current and yeah, rivalry and then it was just starting to come out of the doldrums you yeah. know and so i was in college watching all this but i was in college just going to school having fun surfing abs and you yeah. know subs and all these play sunset clips and i loved it there you know besides um digging the ditches for barnfield did you have any other jobs before that i had a lot of little jobs for sure i worked for a construction company one you know summer i was just go for picking up you know, like wood and moving piles. And I, so I saved up money to come to the U.S. surf championships that year. Me and Clark Little came and my mom took us. And I saved up all summer for the plane ticket, you know. And I worked at, um, I used to mow people's yards. 
I worked a little bit at surf shops, but no, I just I just did manual labor and surf. What was like the surf shop? That was best money though too. Vibe, you know, there was you know North Shore was tiny. I I only worked at Raging Isle Surf Shop in Hollyiva for a little while, and then I worked when I was in college at Rusty Surf Shop a little bit in Delmar with Rick Lash and that crew, and he it was some other guy Tom was there, and it was so I worked there a little summer, and then I busboyed. This is after college at Turtle Bay Hilton for a little bit. Nice. That was pretty funny because, you know, I was graduating, but I was surfing, but I was busting tables at night, you know. So I just had little jobs and after college, and but I was kind of surfing pro a little bit. So I was just... Making some money. Like, what was the... Yeah, you're in college. You're, you're going back home for winters, holidays? Yeah, so and... that's when I... Like, my freshman year, I was 18, whatever. I came back home for, for uh, three weeks for break. And I had like a couple bigger boards. I was I ride some Mark Peshes and some good boards. And I, I how'd you link up with Pesh? Just friends of my friend Dennis Cameron. Um, oh shit, that's right. You're yeah, the Camerons were like one of my friend best friends over here, and um, and he worked for Mark in plumbing. And and Mark was a plumber. I had the seventh board Mark ever made. And the logo has said Pesh Plumbing, and there was a picture of like a pipe. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, and I so I wrote. I took it to Hawaii, and I surfed pipe. And I was like, he never made a board for pipe. And he didn't even couldn't even conceive it, you know. But I it worked, kind of. You know, yeah. it wasn't great, but it was all right. And then yeah. I had a couple other boards. You know, I wasn't. I didn't have a lot of boards, but I, you know. Come over and my friend Pete Johnson, they live right on the beach of Pipe. We just parked there, put our boards there and hang out all day and, and surf. And I kind of just started going out and doing it. You know, I, I my, that winter I was there three weeks, but I caught some good waves, you know. And I, yeah, I remember the first day, good wave, took off first wave and just got drilled. I mean, I remember like falling and as I'm falling, looking up the lip is just like coming and hitting me on the head and I'm still looking at it, and I'm like, this is not happening. You know what I mean? This is like one of my first sessions back from California. Which has got to be intimidating, not working your way up in the early swells yeah. and just showing up and like, it's But winter. you know what's weird? Every time, like, if I would get so stoked when I get a good wipeout, like, it was like... Get it under your belt. It was like a slap in the face wake-up call, yeah. and I'm like, boom, I got it out of my system. Yeah. And then I started getting good waves. Because yeah. I'm like, if that didn't kill me, I'm okay. Like, yeah. it so can get worse get than that. that. That that if you're timid in those type of conditions and waves, you're most likely going to put yourself in the worst spot. Yeah, so you get that. Yeah. It, it actually gave me confidence. It's like, you yeah. know, some people, like, if they get punched in the face, they kind of, like, yeah. get afraid. I used to get punched by a wave, and I kind of, like, it would, like, give me, like... Oh, it's going to be that way. Yeah, I wouldn't be, like, I'm better than this, but I'd just be like, all right, I got this. Like, yeah. you know, to, and so, like, every time I'd surf, if I got a good wipeout, I'd always be like, all right, I got that. So those photos that you were showing us earlier of Pipe... 91, that's 94. Ninety no like ninety through ninety four is after I, I graduated college in ninety ninety one okay. and then so it, after I graduated is when I got all most of my photos all that other you know all the stuff I'm talking about was when I was in college I would yeah. basically come to Hawaii for you know the summer and then three four weeks in the winter time and then I would surf um, California I started doing the nationals our college Point Loma Nazarene College. We won the nationals one year, so we're surfing against like UCSD, Evan Slater, and Alan Johnson, and these guys, and Jeff Booth of San Diego State, and like we'd had these rivals, and our, so our team ended up winning the, the the national team, and I won yeah. the individual, and, and I so think they're they won this year. Yeah, I think yeah. And so I think that's like because my surfing, I kind of lost. I wasn't really competing much from like fifteen to like. 18, 19, I was just surfing and having fun, but I kind of turned it back on when I was like 20, 19, 20 in college. 
And I started surfing more and doing good in those NSSAs, or else I wouldn't even probably have been in contests. And then college stuff. Yeah, and then I started writing for Rusty, and that's when Rusty began and then took off. And, oh. and body gloves. So I had the big body glove hand on my the board. The big R dot. And the big R and the big reef, you know, and like, you know, big, you know, so I started doing good in the contest there and uh, won the nationals for the college. And then, you know, surfing the NSSA. Like, I remember. A, it's when I have this result, but I beat Rob Machado at Del Mar, but I'm like 20 and he's like 13, you know what I mean? Like in the men's division. 13, he was gnarly. But I still beat him and I'm like, yeah, see, look at that. It was like, so I was I was a little older because I was in college and these guys were rippers of Pat O'Connell and Donovan, all them. Like, So I did a couple NSAs, but then I was like, I'm like too old for this, you know? So I just did a few PSAs while I was in college, but I was mainly focused on college and had some you know, results, you know, like I made the round before the quarters of the year Kelly won the trestles event, the black and white video. So I surfed like six heats. And back then, if you won a heat, you got a hundred bucks yeah. every time you won a heat. So I had no money, like, but like I got my entry fee paid for, but I won like four heats. Yeah. And then I made like 300 bucks for getting there and I made like 700 bucks and I was like, oh my God, like this is so much money. Surfing yeah. in one week. Yeah. I, I was know. like, this is crazy. You know, was so rip curl, I mean, sorry, uh, rusty or, um, body glove paying you at all a little? Not then. No. no, I was just sponsored. They were just, uh, paying my entry fees and giving me photo incentive stuff or whatever. yeah, you know, helping me with entry fees and a few things, but I was in college. So I didn't travel or anything. So so yeah, the college was fun, and that was during college. And then I graduated college um, in 1990. A fun fact is I, you know, I lived with some cool people, and college was some great people. But my old roommate was Tucker Hall. Oh my! So I lived gosh. with Tucker for two years. Dang! And he 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 came and stayed <laughs> Small with my world. He he came and stayed with my parents in Hawaii in my house three times. I took him out surfing pipe when we when he we were both in college. He'd never surf pipe. We paddled out on like a solid eight to ten foot day with twelve foot sets. He and I, he made it through, I made it through, we both get out there, Jack Johns was a little kid, he's out there, and like, it was like some closeout sets and some good ones, and I got a couple, and Tucker was just like, oh my god, this is crazy. He ends up getting one, and I think he like broke his leash, or something went in, he got one wave, and then I got like a couple, and then I got one closeout, and like, ate it, and then we came in, and we were just on the beach, and he's like, whoa, this is, like, he was just like, blown away. Blown away. Yeah. And he was such a funny, funniest dude. I love Tucker. We, Where's we, Tucker from? Where we were like up? best friends. He was, he's from like Calabasas, from like LA okay. area. And um, he went to Point Loma and we met when he was started there and he was great surfer. Like he, he was fully like, um, had come off of like partying and he was just clean, super into surfing. Like he, when he gets into something, he's like all in. And he yeah. was like surf every day he was into it he was every like he was just t-hall that's what they call him t-hall and he just surf 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 he rode for surf fetish i remember i've i've put surf fetish it's an old brand from back in the day like i remember the name dude i could i have blackmail stuff on and a lot of people (laughs) but i've talked to him in like fluorescent orange shorts and like you know, like we all wore those biker shorts for a while that were surf, like surf trunks that were tight. Hydrolite? Hydrolites. Yeah. 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 And I took, uh, this, I have to have one more story. But it was, so we were at Rocky Point one day and it was just me and him and my friend from college and Dane Kalohoe's out there and he's like, he's all, that's Dane Kalohoe. And I'm like, yeah. He, he pals up he's all, Dane. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, don't blow Don't blow like, Dane, I just want you to know, man, you're like incredible I respect you look up to you and he's like in his surf fetish gear with his pink shorts right. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going oh my god Dane's looking at him like 
Thanks, right, bro. bro. And then yeah. like he's like, yeah, Shaka. And then like, <laughs> and like, oh man, I gotta be careful taking this guy around the North Shore. But we 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 starstruck we, though, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. He he had a lot of respect for like the Hawaiian guys, and he he was a great. So we lived together till we graduated, and then he started working at uh, South Coast. Right? South Coast. Coast. He was working at South Coast Surf Shop. Then he worked at Quick with Willie Mortz, and he bailed. And him and Willie started Volcom. Yeah, and I mean, he was soon there after for, you guys graduated. Soon after, yeah, he was there from there, like yeah. starting. Yeah, he was up. ground floor. He was owner. He was like on the thing. He's one of the founders, you know. Yeah. So like, it was just weird because I never thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of you know. I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, yeah, he was one of my good friends, and I have great memories with him. What a you know? trip! What a small world. Yeah, it's like you just touch a lot of lives. You know how it is in surfing. Like, yeah. I hope all of you know that if you're listening. It's like you know, it's like surfing's this tight knit community. It's yeah. a lot less now, but like there's like a tree, you know, and it's yeah. like everybody's got a connection somehow. Like, you know, it's like especially back then, like. It wasn't uncommon to just sit there and, you know, Mark Richards walks by or Tom Carroll or yeah. Kelly Slater's at the market, you know, or whatever. It's not like... Especially on the North Shore. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we, we, we talk about how surfing is, you know, we're talking about our idols and icons yeah. and most, like, important people in the industry. And they're just everyday folk, like, just cruising by, which is so different than a lot of the mainstream like athletes that are just so yeah you can't hang you can't, out with michael you, jordan you yeah, know what you mean? would never be able to get that close Access to, them. to them. Yeah. yeah i mean you walk into food land you're just like boom 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 boom. you yeah. know you when i was a kid go to cammy's market and there's this guy that guy this guy you know yeah. you're sitting on the beach and there's this guy and they're just walking up saying hey what's up ricky you know so it's like <clears throat> it's really cool like what a tight community we have any any good trips like, you know, here we are talking about California, Hawaii, which are, you know, again, you live in Hawaii, you're pretty damn spoiled. You don't really have yeah. to go on many surf trips, you know, but where and when have you gone? So after I graduated college, um, you know, I got my degree in business and I'm like, okay, check that box. Yeah. I'm like, what am, gonna, what am I going to do with my life? You know, like, <laughs> seriously, I didn't have the plan. I was just going to go back to North Shore. And... So wait, before, before we go into that, you're riding for Rusty. Yeah. And you're riding for Body Glove. You're riding for Reef. Doing no one's some PSAs. Paying money. No one's paying me money. Yeah, making a little money here and there. You're doing PSAs. I did some PSAs for a while. And, and you're doing okay. And yeah, I made some heat. You're talking to other people. Yeah, you're meeting people left and right. You know, and, and you're talking to other people what they're getting from other brands. Sort of. I mean, I back. To, I wasn't even like. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I wasn't because you you were <clears throat> getting shots in the mag. Well, that was that, after college mostly. So well, yes. But yes, I, so when I left college, I'm like, you know, I, money didn't like, I wasn't, I didn't think I was going to make money being a surfer. And that's why I went to college. And I never, when I started pro surfing, I just was like, if I can just get by and go on some trips, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And so like, I never thought I was owed some, somebody's going to give me, there, there wasn't even money in the early nineties. Yeah. I mean, when I, I, I started surfer magazine, there were 80 page issues, like as thin as they could be. There yeah. was not money. But you know what I'm saying? You're you're here in California. Yeah. There's tons of pro surfing contests. Oh yeah. And you're riding for big brands. Good brands. Yeah. Well, Rusty just took off, and they really trajectoried quick. And Body Glove had everybody, you yeah. know. So anyway, after I graduated, yeah, I started getting 200 bucks a month from Rusty, <laughs> and I got uh, or 250 or 200, and I got like 100 from Body Glove and Photo and Center from Reef. Yeah. And you know, and that was it. And, um, and then, but, but, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, when I first well, got you, out of college, I wasn't getting anything, but then I got a couple, the first winter I was in the North shore, I got like two big spreads and a nice shot at Rockies and I, they said, okay, let's do this. And so what happened is Rusty's, 
had a trip to Costa Rica and they're like, we need somebody to go. Do you want to go? So they paid for me to go on this trip to Costa Rica. And I went with Paul Reinecke, Dave uh, Spear, me and this other guy. And we go to Costa Rica and we had fun. We surfed and, you know, got a couple little photos, nothing really much in the mag. And I was just like, boom, that was like the day at Pipe. I got addicted to surf and travel. And I was like that, that, you know, at the time, Ronnie Burns had passed. I think he had just passed, but he was like, you know, all of our dream was to surf and travel and not have yeah. to do contests and make money. And yeah, he would just do the Billabong movies yeah. and the Triple yeah. Crown and, and do the like, Triple Crown. You know, he would go, he would be like Tahiti. He would be yeah. Bali. He would be, in, dude, he was like the, he was the role, you know, he was like, that's the a pro first, surfer you wanted to be. He was the first guy to make a living doing what he wanted to do pretty much. Surfing, traveling, surfing yeah. pipe, getting paid to surf, and and, and once you start figuring out, like you know, Lennon was mentioning yeah. the payouts and stuff, you're like, wow, if I could make some heats once a month here and get yeah. a couple of photos, and I could get a free trip, then it's like, yeah, you know, you yeah. could do side hustles like you're explaining earlier with like, you yeah, busboying or or you know, doing odd end jobs. I mean, it doesn't take much to yeah. please an 18, 19, yeah. So that, like looking th- through the photos there, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, fuck this guy could have made a lot more money yeah doing what you were doing back then no it was different man it was like like (laughs) big j here he he grew up kind of in the when it was like there was flowing you know money was flowing and like certain areas he was going after it well and like the bit like bingy weatherly in that house and that crew like exploded as the industry exploded i mean there was guys that were pretty good surfers that would make over 100 grand a year yeah. you know what i mean now there's guys in the ct who can't even probably make 50 grand a year yeah don't so, even have sponsors like ian gentile or yeah. guys like that that rip you know what yeah I mean? like watching the ct and the challenger series and not seeing like major logos on like these guys i'm like who the hell is this surfer holy crap look how good this guy or girl is and there was like no logos i'm like yeah that's just depressing that was the magic era so like my era is i started traveling surfing and so that was my next chapter it was like growing up hawaii college and then i went to the surf travel like beach bum guy for you know surf gypsy for about four or five years and i really? basically got to travel around the world like on, i went, I went on, on rusty's rusty? dime mostly rusty they they were so good so to me tahiti bali tahiti Australia. i was i mean i i got shots of tahiti at chopu uh 30 years ago 30 <laughs> there was no one there we showed it uh, aaron shank took us to tahiti i was with aaron me poto um this guy smith um uh, Alex, Alex Cox, Scott Ostrand, or David Cantrell. Yeah. David, David Cantrell. We show up at Chopu. There's no one out. We're at the beach, and they're like, "Yeah, there's a wave out there," and we're kind of like, "I didn't even see it because oh, so, you're so far." So out. me and David are like, "We're just gonna paddle it." We just paddle, and I heard there's tons of sharks. I, I don't even know. Yeah. So we paddle all the way out to Chopu. No one's around. It's like six to eight foot, not like massive, but like six to eight foot solid sunny blue water offshore no one around you know ceiling high waves and we're just like we oh, just for real but we didn't know like you're looking in at the the mountain range and everything about it's like yeah you couldn't but the thing that was gnarly which is really kind of cool it happened a couple times to me it was like i didn't even know what the i've never seen a picture of it never seen a video of it never seen anything i didn't know if i took off the rock was going to pop up or it was going to close out on me like we just had to take off and see what happened like, we did not know at all. Nowadays, like, everything's so planned out. You yeah. know what you're going to get. Yeah. Like, this vein over yeah. here, and by then... The so me and Davey were these. out by ourselves, and we just... I remember we just... I took off my first wave. It was, like, a little overhead, maybe two, three feet overhead. I pulled in. It, like, barrel, 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 like, kind of spit me. And then I just kind of came out, and I went, whoa, it's all dry. And I just kicked out. 
and then Davey gets one, and then I go out and I get one, and we yeah. just did that for an hour. There's no one around, just me and him. Like, like the feeling of surfing a wave that never you've never surfed, seen, or watched a video of ever for the first time. That's wow. a magic wave. Is pretty cool. Yeah, and you know what I mean, growing up in Hawaii, like turquoise water, what, what's this place reef. called? Chapu. Yeah, yeah, back then everybody into the road. Yeah, yeah, everybody surfed Tapuna. That yeah. was the spot. That was it. But the water and the reef, like it's magnified like tenfold. Yeah. It it's four feet deep, but it looks six inches. Yeah. You know, like it, that was one of my favorite trips. I mean, we surfed all the islands. Went to Hapiti, went to Huhini. We were there. We stayed with the locals. We stayed at you know Poto's house. His yeah, mom there was no weather. Dinner. You had to stay at somebody's yeah, house. Yeah, so like, there's no. We didn't have money. We didn't have all that. We were just eating rolls and cheese at the markets. And was like, it Avatea? Was it was a the 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 juice that cocktails oh, they make I it was forgot, like yeah. fermented like fruit yeah like and everybody because it was so expensive like booze and stuff yeah. to get like stuff flowing in no, like, oh, was... we just make it ourselves this barrel it like, though, dude? it's like Delicious. taking a shot of like mango mango with like i don't even know like but ethanol it's kick yeah, yeah. You're like, whoa, that was like, you know, passion fruit or something, you know, yeah. whatever. You can drink a lot of it, but you shouldn't. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it was, it was, that's, people ask me, that, I, that was my favorite trip. Yeah. And it wasn't because it was like, it was just so pure, you know, like the place. People and the pe- are so and genuinely I, Yeah, we amazing. stayed with this, you know, like Poto and his family just treat us like families. This guy Smith, he's from Huahini. He's like, Smith, uh, he's just coolest guy yeah. super like, ground local yeah yeah there was a guy named tevin noble who was gnarly there was you know arsen like- arsen jorge was there arsen was like the man he was like he's like the he's like one of the pioneers of TV he's one of the right? great he's like the legend pretty much there yeah. owning it early on a local guy and still rips this day you know just it was so cool and um i love Photo that writing Oh, yeah. back then. He, he was, was like on the tour then he was he was a, dude, he was a beast he yeah, was yeah. so good and he was just so mellow though you know yeah and, and such great waterman and like and he didn't care of, like waves would come he'd be like go 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 you know he didn't like try to get all the way and show like, off his it's like yeah, yeah. it's more stoked watching you he wasn't one. even impressed like we were all freaking out he's like this is nothing like yeah. i usually surf and it's like way bigger than gnarlier than this you know so that was like that was a good trip i went to the maldives i love that trip Gosh. um i went to every a, time do they do that contest every year yeah because they're, they're there now yeah i was there like 30 years ago the 94 four seasons yeah. in uh the maldives yeah the one we served pasta point and then we went all around i was with um flavio and a couple people in that trip then, so you went like at the beginning beginning yeah that was cool because it was early 90s and i did the, you know i did morocco with Evan Slater, Holy shit. I went to the Maldives. I went to Australia a few times. I went to when, when, Tahiti. I went to um, when people were just starting to go there. To, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Costa Rica and Panama, uh, and Costa Rica, tw- you know, twice. I went to Porto. I was in Porto that year, you know, that Kelly did that backside air yeah. and like landed it, and everybody was on the, like I, we were all on the at beach. The point or is it no? no is it, was like, it was at the regular place. We were out at the beach and we were all getting ready to get on the plane, and he knew. We were all watching. He flies down the line. He hits it air and then lands and comes out. And everyone's just like, what? And everybody's laughing. But it was the craziest crew. Like, I swear to God, there was 25, like, pro young surfer guys. And we were packed in. There's eight of us on the floors just sleeping all over. Yeah. It was like That's Shane, so awesome. Ross, Maddie, Colin Smith. That's like one of the first Chester, Taylor Steele movies, Rob, right? Rob, Pat. You know, it was like, it was yeah. crazy. Casey Curtis. Like, it was... 
Yeah, I don't Mexican know what pipeline man. The summer was like yeah, we that went, was our jam, and it was funny because it was Art Brewer was there, and then Balzer was there, so like different magazines, you know. So it was like surfer and surfing, and like they were like competing over who did this. And Balzer would sneak down to the point with Rob and get photos of Rob that yeah. Brewer didn't get, and Brewer would get this, and it was just like it was either Pat or Rob that said that they saw they were on the beach, and and they 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 were watching Kelly, you know. Yeah get ready and do that air and do it and pulled it off and they said they turned around <laughs> yeah <laughs> to look in remember that <laughs> so, so, yeah. so we so no we but it was so like good. a magic like i you know that's where i've been like god's totally blessed me like i've gotten to see things you know like Dude. see like i watched tom carroll snap into lib windpipe i've seen occupant i've seen like some of the best moments with my own eyes and like yeah. that's where i'm blessed not that i did them but i got to see them be yeah. part of them yeah. you know what i mean and, and that's so what we love to talk about yeah you know? like like yeah. we're such surf groupies Turkeys. But yeah. we're, i'm but a groupie we're not, too yeah. yeah but we're in it we're infused yeah. in it yeah it's like i i'm like a surf history buff you know so yeah. like when i did my career surfing and did those trips and had fun and rusty started paying me a little bit more and more but you know i was i think in my prime i was making like 400 from Rusty, 150 from Body Glove, and like 50 from Reef or something. And and I was like, you know, I've got 600 a month. And I was, but I had to work waiting tables in the summer here, and I'd sell a surfboard but there. That was a get surfer a, dream back then. Yeah, I was getting photo incentive here, and I'd get like, you know, trade my clothes for some burritos and whatever it was, you know. And <laughs> a little it, side hustle. Yeah, so it came to the end of that surf time, which was great. And there's all those magic moments and photos and people I met along the way. And, you know, but I knew I had my education under my belt. And I was like, this is, you know, I always knew I could fall back on that, you know, because yeah. no, not many people had their college degree that were surfing. A lot of my friends went to college, but I was like, you know, I always felt like I would be okay because, like, I knew I, I could, I had something, a foundation. That's why I always tell people now, just, like, get your degree, man. If you're not Kelly Slater, if you're not, like, winning contests and doing it, like, get your college degree. You're done when you're 22. I was yes. done when I was 22. I had... 22 to 27 where I just surfed and had a good time yeah we, but I had the college done and I was like like that was fun. and those are your best years sometimes yeah. of surfing. We, we've interviewed a few people like Kaylee Gilcrest who's a water polo player yeah three-time like Olympian and she did the pro surf and you know she she yeah, did the school whatever um we talked to Poncho he didn't you know he did the triple crown yeah. in one sunset like 15 times and pipe and yeah, you know crazy. won everything but he never really pushed to do the tour he didn't qualify till he's 32 no, it's he like he's, like what yeah. like like that's a that's no, I mean, crazy. It's like it's pretty amazing. So you know I, I, how my career sort of how I stopped pro surfing and got a real job. Is yeah, based, surfing so surfer. Basically, I um I I met someone. You know, I I met my wife to be, and we were engaged. And I was like, damn, I gotta get a job. I can't be like living on the floor and this and that. So I was like. I was like, what, what could I do, you know? So I was like, I wanted to work. I was like, maybe I could be the team manager, you know? Wow, for like a reef or... Which is, again, dreamy yeah. because you get to travel and... Yeah, but I was, know. you know, but... You know, but it's not What really do you make, like 50, nothing. you know, whatever, you know? It's like, it looked like the coolest thing. So I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember I went to Rusty to PT his best... PT is... Yeah, he he's saved me, but he could be a dick, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So he he's sitting there and he's like, I go... PT man, I you know I've been doing really good, and I like this winter in Hawaii. Like I'm making like 400. I was hoping like for the winter you could just up it to like 500, 550. You know, just during the winter those yeah. three months he goes. No. He goes, 
and he started with his like PT laugh and I go I go he's laughing he just started laughing he just goes oh Rick Rick he's all you know you should really think about getting a job wow and I was like okay uh, brutally honest and I was like and I was like you SOB and I was like you know at first I was kind of pissed and I was like whatever and I was like, you know, when I look back, I'm like, dude, thank you. You, you saved my life, dude. I could be living on the North Shore, still think I'm a pro surfer and want to be. Which is the hardest thing to give up when, you're, yeah. when you've had tastes of travel Gosh. and not you have friends that are working nine yeah. jobs, not making pretty much the same. Was that it from PT? No, I mean, he didn't say you're fired. He just said you should get a job. And I was like, you're right. You know, so I was making money still like they're a little, yeah. Yeah. little bit. And I was like, okay, I got to do something. So I came back to California after the winter. And I started parking cars. I was valeting. And I, I remember I called um, Katie Peck, who worked at Reef, Kaipo's wife, and um, Guerrero. And she was my team manager. And I was like, hey, you know, is there any, like, sub-marketing people or anything, like, marketing jobs there? And she's like, ah, we're pretty full right now. She goes, but I heard Mike Lambrizi is leaving Surfer Magazine. He's going to go work for the ASR trade show. You should call Surfer Magazine. Wow. And I was like, Okay. So I called Surfer Magazine. Where were you valeting? I was at like um, Pacific Grill or something. It's in um, Old Town. And I, so I call, you know, it's like no cell phone, just pay call phone. Call the mag. Whatever. Yeah. So I call the mag and like somebody answers the phone, like the receptionist. I'm like, did you call any photographers? Put a good word yeah. in for me? I said, hey, um, is, is Mike Lambrizi there? And she goes, oh, I'm not sure. And she goes, oh, it's so weird. He's walking out the door right now. And she goes, hold on, Mike, it's Rick, Ricky Irons? And like, you know, I knew him yeah. just from surfing. We all, you know, anyway. People, hey, hey, what's up, Ricky? And I'm like, hey, um, I was just calling. I heard you're leaving. I just, you know, I was interested in like maybe, you know, doing ad sales for the magazine. He goes, oh, yeah, I am leaving. He goes, you know what? I'll put a good word in you, but there's a guy, Court Overin, who was the publisher back then. He goes, I'll tell him you're going to give him a call and give him a call. You know, it could be a good thing for you. And I was like, cool. So, like, here's a guy, valeting cards, no job experience, never, but had a college degree. Yeah. So I call Court up, and just because Lambrizi mentioned my name to him, he picked the phone up, you know, and he said, hey, you know, um, I, I met, talked to him, and he, he said, oh, yeah, let's meet. You know, so I met him, and, um, you know, there were a couple guys who were looking for the job, some other, you know, I won't say who they were, but ex-pro surfers that were transitioning at the time that were, you know, big-name guys. Cause it was a pretty good job, but back then there yeah. were the mags were small though. They were not they were not making a lot of money. They were ninety page, hundred pages. They weren't big issues. But just to get a job within the industry is yeah. like yeah. just to get your feet in the door and. So I interview yeah. So I interview with Court. He's a great guy. He he unfortunately he passed away. He ran he ran ASR after he left Surfer, and he was really great guy. But um, he he interviews me and a couple other people, and I'm like I want to get this job. So I call Bob Hurley, call Rusty. You know, I call guys I knew. And so Bob actually made a call to court and said, hey, you should you should hire Rick. Rick. And nice. Rusty wrote me a personal letter from Rusty to court. And so, like, I had, you know, so that's where that, that relationships yeah. you build over those years, the respect, not burning bridges, and then having an education. And I bet if I didn't have that college degree, I would have never got that job. If I wouldn't have that job, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. like... Out of everyone, they choked, they, they picked me. And I was just like, whoa. And I was like, I got a job. And I remember I went in there the first time. And this is the magazine back then. It was like a Rolodex, like a paper Rolodex, yeah. a telephone. And they're like, <laughs> cool calling. good Start luck. Dialing. So I just started like, through, through this like, Rolodex. 
you know, I, I see some people's names in there like Gotcha, Dave Gilovich, oh, this guy, this guy, Santiago, Fernando, like Rusty, mm-hmm. you know, so I started just calling. Well, you never, you never uh, sponsored me, so you're, you're yeah. paying uh, this yeah. one. <laughs> Scott, da- you know, Scott Daly, you know, like, so there were some people I knew, and so I just, nobody gave me an onboarding. I just sort of, yeah. And then the mag was super small, and like, you know, it's just, I started from ground floor on ad yeah. sales. And, and, you, and you know what's funny? Like, <clears throat> I think a college degree is definitely important, right? It is. It's not everything, though. It's not everything. And that's the point I'm trying to make because I think you got your job because of who you are and how you carry yourself present and yourself. present yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's all... And, you know, you're a damn good surfer, right? And you're saying that the unnamed surfers that were transitioning, like, you took the initiative to, like, call Bob, you know? Yeah, have Rusty right have my Rusty. I mean, those two things are probably way above, and who you are, are way above a college degree. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But, I mean, it, it, it was like, like, say we were teeter-tottering, and it was like equal, equal, yeah. and everything was equal, the college degree would tip in my 100%. favor. 100%. You know what I mean? I'm trying to play that down, bro. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, no, yeah, but I'm not saying you, you have to. There's guys, no, I, I mean, look at, there's guys that there's were so CEOs of companies yes. in our industry that yeah. didn't have a college degree. Most, yeah. I think, probably... I don't know what the percentage is, but most entrepreneurs are high school dropouts. Yeah, and, yeah. and it is, I'm not put, saying college is the end-all, be-all, but all I'm saying is it gives you a bit of an edge, and you learn how to problem-solve. Yeah. So you learn how to learn. And yeah. delegate. And, and delegate. Like, and deal with you can be a great people person. You can learn it. it without going to college. But all I'm saying is that it just teaches you socialization. It teaches you certain things. For sure. And it's like, I can't remember crap from what I went to college. I yeah. can't, you couldn't, and, you know what I mean? But I still, you know. And networking, like look at who your roommates for two years. Yeah. Tucker yeah. Hall, Tuck- who ended up doing amazing things and, you know, started yeah. Volcom. And, yeah. and, and that's life is networking. And it's like, yeah. our network is surf. Yeah. And yours, and you had the, the college network and then being who you are and cool. So ad just, sales for how long? I did ad sales for like, you know, we started like small issues, like ninety pages and all. But that's when the industry just exploded. Mid nineties, yeah. late nineties. All of a sudden, and it was were like, you getting commission on? Sales? Yeah, we'd get commission. Okay. So like at first, I remember I got like a small base, and then like at the end of the year, I got like a commission of the. And then I started just getting paid month to month. So when checks came in, we got paid. And so we. What's got, your commission? That was my commission yeah. to check. So yeah. every day, like Kevin Meehan got hired right after me. And so like, Meehan. Yeah. So I was me and Kevin. And then like at the time it was like Jeff Devine, Tom Survey, Ben Marcus, Steve Fuck Hawk. Him. You know, so it was kind of cool. Magazine royalty Harper. too. Yeah, it was really cool era because I got the tail end of the legendary people and then the the, the kind of the dawning of that new era. You know, so it was like the transition from like you know, Pesman and Divine and, uh, you know, Survey and Steve Hawk and all these guys. And then it transitioned like Chris Morrow and, um, you know, you know, we had amazing photographers come on like, you know, Todd Glazer and Dave Parmenter was still working with us and, you know, all these cool things. And then, you know, so it was like, it was a really cool era because it was like, like, I got taste and respect for the old school, old school crew and yeah. then the usher and the new crew, you yeah. know, so it was kind of like, and the industry just blew up. You know, it was like single page ads and maybe half page here or there, and then it was spreads, and then it was 
double spreads and it was triple spreads and it was and poster. Pull, yeah, it was it, it, doggy it, dog world on the yeah. marketing side. Yeah, what, so what I wrote this. I it was probably like ninety seven to two thousand nine was the glory. You know, they yeah. kind of you know exploded around thirteen. You know, maybe like I think I made it till two thousand nine. Um, 10, you know, but yeah, the magazine just kept growing and growing. You know, I was ad sales and I was ad director and then I became the publisher and then the publisher sort of is like all the, the CEO, a CEO in a sense, yeah. it's like the P P and L's, you know, you're responsible for the bottom line. So I sort of oversee sales. I it would work with the editor, like the editor, I, you know, be responsible for hiring the editor, but then he'd hire the editorial staff and they were kind of their separate zone. And then I was responsible for like all the mar- a lot of the marketing and our events and you know, but there's p- people that did it. I didn't do it all. I just worked with everybody. Yeah, it's a and sort of quarterbacked group. it, you know, like. Yeah. But I had Justin Jefferson on wide receiver, and I had freaking Eckler over here, and I got McCaffrey, and I, you know, so there's good people around us. We were all a team, and it was like that was the best time, you know, of, for us there, and it was a magic time. So this is a great talk about chapters. That was a great chapter, and I get to. You know, meet Jeff John Severson and like hang out with legends that would come to Surfer Pole and all the young Groms would come into the magazine like Jay here and like yeah, all these like people making a, a rundown to like Salt Creek or Lowers, which or even San Diego. Like we're stopping by surfing and Surfer. Yeah, yeah you stop by the magazine. world, like we're so, making the rounds. So back then. There was rivalry between Surfer and Surfing, oh, right? It was brutal. It was like <laughs> Coke and Pepsi. It was so cutthroat. And we came in at a time, me and Kevin Meehan did, kind of when surfing was somewhat dominating yeah. as far as the marketing or the, you know, that side. I, I read surfing growing up. I was on the cover of surfing, you know what I mean? But Surfer had kind of like, had really good writing and it was good photography and stuff, but it was kind of a, a little more of an older crowd, a little sleepier in some ways. But still, really respected, and uh, surfing was really aggressive. They had these sales guys were just you know gnarly, and they were on it, and you know a lot more flashy than us. And so, but when me and Kevin start, you know, I started and Kevin started, we sort of kind of brought some life into that advertising sales department. You know, we we kind of turned it around because you know I had a lot of credibility, and Kevin was a hustler, and. And then we brought Tony, Tony Perez on later, and Perez was just awesome, and Jeremy Schluntz. So we had such so many good people that on the ad sales team, and we had. I mean, you know, all the mags had such a good core group of like yeah. authentic, like core people. You know, like yeah. you talk about companies bringing in like outsiders, and eventually that's what happens. You know, you yeah. gotta bring in like, oh, we're getting big, and you know, we got to figure out, and maybe somebody with a different perspective. But it's always the the, the core inner circle that yeah. Yeah. makes the so, best product. Yeah. So you're at the mag, and you watched it grow from the little yeah. eighty page, hundred page to double. You know, you were it. I mean, going we, through that gamut of of explosion. It was crazy. It was like we were like taking orders towards the middle. You know, when it was, you know, just calling. Oh, I want an extra spread. I want four extra pages. You know, yeah. I'll do a double double. What? <laughs> That's so crazy. And you're like observation what were you seeing happening at that time that was like causing such a growth like what economy i mean like just trends sur- like what it was, was just trend surfing got really hot i mean the surf brands billabong quicksilver rip curl you know o'neill they were you know o'neill just started the clothing line when i was there and then they started taking off you know we're blowing up but then there's this new group of companies you know all of a sudden volcom came from nothing nowhere 
and just started blowing up. You know, there was Ezekiel. There was a lot of young brands that were coming up, yeah. and they, they had good runs. Like, you know, Globe, yeah. the footwear industry got really involved. Pla- Planet Earth, Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a you while, footwear was like, we, we'd have 12 spreads of footwear companies. Yeah. Sunglasses. Spreads. DVS big, and all these. Yeah. Remember Arnett, how big sunglasses were? Sunglasses, Arnett, um, you know, Oak Electric. That Dragon. Dragon. I mean, it was like just constantly there'd be new brands. And so they'd come in, go for it, and some would make it and some wouldn't, you know. But they all needed the magazine because that was their only place to yeah. showcase their stuff. That and the ASR parties. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it became really important. It was really competitive. Like, you know, the team guys would come in and they'd always be like sniffing around. Okay, what trip's coming up? Who's going to do this? What's the, you know? Yeah. And it was really cool because I got to be there at the time when like my cousins, Bruce and Andy, were like growing up and becoming big. Like they, I, I, when I started there, they were probably like 15, 14, 15, 16. And so like all these people are like, well, who are these guys? And like some of the old farts at the magazine would be like. Because they were Kauai and not the North Shore, yeah, which was yeah. everybody kind of got a little play, like little John John and yeah. Jamie O'Brien and, you know. Like a little the, bit, yeah. I mean, like but, when they were young, they were kind of like. Yeah, because everything was about Shane and Ross and those guys, you know, and the, those that crew, which is great. But they, they were just little kids in Kauai. And so like people, sponsors would be like, like DC would be like, hey, like I'd hook them up with DC and they might get a sponsorship or you know, somebody would want to reach them and I'd help them connect with them you know and then like all of a sudden you know they're getting better and better and the, some of the guys the photo editors like you know, i don't know no, i said no these guys are the real deal yeah you know and that was what was cool about being in the magazine like i could be in like we had slideshows and like we'd look at photos and stuff and like they would be like oh that nice people no though that guy's really good you know like i was able to because i had been there doing it so i could tell them hey that guy's a really good surfer yeah or they wouldn't even know someone's name, you know what I mean? Or they think somebody was they think somebody was Sonny Garcia and it was somebody else, you know yeah. what I mean? So I was, yeah. it was like, I was able to kind of help them, and then like when I got higher up, I was able to help, you know, just like people who wanted to get trips together, and we'd talk to sponsors and be like, hey, why don't you you know bring these guys along yeah. or whatever? So it was it was a really cool magical time, and like there was a definite church and state thing with the advertising and editorial, but it was like there was always a little you know like tension between us because like they would want to like do one thing and we'd be like dude you know come on you're who was responsible for creating the big issue so yeah one of such a great like you know talking about competition like how do we outdo surfing and in a time trans world whoever like how do we so what my motto always was like and what i tried to do when i was more on the leadership of it and like it was try to create like um uh, properties intellectual properties things that we own only surfer did surfer pole surfer pole we re- revived it the big issue big the issue. hot 100 and mm-hmm. make that like cool and make it a separate issue um you know we had the guest editor issue we had the art you know we did different things so we tried to you know and one of the big inspiration i mean i worked with a lot of good people so there's a lot of inspiring people for me yeah. but doug paladini was one of the most inspiring for us because he made me believe and us believe we could do bigger things. Like he think want, outside the box. How do we like when it? I started Surfer Pole was like at a little bar in Huntington Beach, like above like where Surfline is now. Really? And they, and they hadn't had a, a Surfer a... Pole party in like four or five years. And Doug's like, let's take it to the galaxy. Let's make you know, and like because he became group publisher. And I I remember just going, wow, he was so good at thinking outside the box. Then. He did snowboarder, and they had a big issue. So we decided to get the big issue going, and we made it the big issue. Yeah. Do you remember which yeah. the big issue was? Which cover? I think it was like was it was it Duke the first. Who was on the first? 
big issue. It could have been Duke. Huh? No, no, no. Yeah. He was, that was in the um, most influential circles oh, of all oh, times. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was... He oh, was Laird. It wasn't... No? There was a group shot on one cover, and it was Laird and Bruce and Andy and the Roxy Girls and Randy Hill. It was like a group shot. Was it uh, Kelly in the Hawaiian shorts? That was another big issue. Yeah. yeah. That was one at Tabaroo. Tom Survey shot that. Yeah. That, uh, um, Eric Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, print. Yeah, and then I think Corey Lopez got one at Chopu. Yeah. Uh, one big wave. I um, mean, that's, again, that's why it's so important to iconic. talk about these yeah. because there's hundreds Fancy of covers, surfer. but we, the ones that right. pop in our heads outside of maybe current slash or yeah. you know we still play fantasy surfer yeah, yeah. well it's, it's now wsl does it they don't do the fantasy no. surfer anymore no the fantasy surfer still going oh it is yeah, yeah. I, i've played a while dude I, I am still it's still way better than wsl version way better way well better. It, the really the mastermind i think behind that was more like chris morrow yes. and um and scott bass yeah. Yeah. So there's there two, is, bro. and I we help bring it to life in like Fantasy Surfer is still alive and well. No yes. way. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know. I know. I uh, shoot. Next year you'll who, have to join our league. Yeah. Who was was who told Chris us that, I know. Was it Chris Morrow? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Chris and Scott kind of came up and we just sort of tried to take the next level. We'd run ads for it in the magazine. We'd have people come in and do their picks and we you know, we promoted it. So we really used like the internet you know, it was great because Scott Bass kind of helped start SurferMag.com, and he was really, like, really into it before people were into the internet, yeah. and he just was dedicated to it. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, you know, so it was like it, we just had a good thing going. You know, like Surfer was owned by For Better Living uh, first, and then then we got sold, and it kind of from there it was just it, it was chaos a bit. We got we got bought sold by four or five times while I was there. Damn. So we went from For Better Living to um, Peterson Publishing to Prime Media to Source Interlink and then some other one. And I left towards the tail end because, you know, right when Surfer and Surfing were kind of bought and in the same group, I just kind of was like, this is this, this is not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. Kind of like you know I mean? Billabong and Quicksilver on the same umbrella. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't I can't speak for them, but I know with us it was just kind of like we lost our identity a bit. Yeah. You know, we had our own identity, but the sales guys were splitting stuff, so they would go to Billabong Quick, be like, "Oh, we have a hundred grand. Okay, we're doing fifty with you and fifty with them." And before it might be more with us and less with it, or more with them and less with us. So yeah. it was, and I was just kind of like, I felt like it started, you know, and I, I was homogenizing like, it. Yeah, but those years at Surfer was some of the most, you know, magic times. I mean, running the Surfer Pole events, yeah. um, you know, like doing the magazines. It was, it was stressful though. It was, it was like every was month a there was big, a deadline. Yeah. Right? And like you had to get ads Deadlines. in. We, I had to lay out the magazine pagination is called like, and it was built on like the financial formula that like right. you, know, you have enough money to support this big of a magazine, and it would go in group. You know, pages of eight. You know, eight was like a, a a box of like how big you could grow or shrink the magazine. We'd be trying to get ads in the last second. You know, we try to like you know the writing. The editors busted their ass. They were just such hard-working good yeah. people you know but then we do our best you know and at the end of the day put out a project and people will just be excited to see it you know we yeah. we take it and everyone just like gather around and look you know to see their ad and see what happened and see yeah. what was in it and it was miss a, it i yeah. miss it so bad and it was like to see yourself in a magazine like for a kid oh or a new gosh they were just their eyes will light up but there's i mean you, you speak because you're on the inside of the, the surfing surfer rivalry but the brand's their ad rivalry oh, you know yeah. everyone was trying to outdo each other it was yeah it was I so mean, good i know it, we all speak 
for many people as far as like what we thought of magazines. Yeah. Not just surfer, but surfing. Like when you got an issue, you would eat it up. Eat it up. You would go front to back several times in one day. Yeah. And then go back to it and go front to back again. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm kind of a geek in that like I'll remember magazines from like the 70s and 80s. I used to just look at them like I could look at a photo and be like, "Oh, that was um, you know, you know, Nat Young in 67 at Burley Heads. That was Rabbit and yeah. like I remember photos like they're imprinted in but like it's something on the internet or I can't even remember. Yeah. It's just like comes well, and goes, it, you know? That and when the videos came out with music to segments, oh, like yeah. I, if a song comes on, I could rewind that whole totally. like, part yeah. of All that. All the Billabong movies yeah. in my head, like just different ones, like yeah. Taylor Steele ones, like in my head, you know, I'm yeah. just like. But as a surfer trying to work the angle of magazines. Oh, like, it was such a. You wanted Marley. it didn't there matter. He's trying to put himself in no, it again. It's like Jay he, was always there with a little butter. He was like bringing in a little donut for Chris Morrow. Or, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, Rob, 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 Rob Gilly. Yeah, you know. That Ricky, looks like a cover. I Who let, said that? Yeah, I let Ricky win a few games on the table. I'm like, make a feel good. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it was dude. like, as, as a surfer trying to make a living, you didn't care what magazine you're getting a photo like printed. Yeah, but you wanted to try to work with. Both max. Yeah, you, know? you, you had to play neutral. Like there yeah. were some guys that like oh, I'm a surfing guy more. Like yeah. I'm a flame guy. Like yeah. flame was very territorial and possessive. You know what I mean? But certain guys were mellow about it. Just depended. You know. But but it's also the connection. You, you know, we talked about this before. You try to work your angle with the with the uh, magazine staff. Then you had to work the angle with your sponsors on like yeah. what trips they were putting together. And you had to work angles with the photographers themselves. Yeah. yeah. And you know it's you know you're you're kind of running your little business trying to like just yeah it, it kind of originated but, though which interesting enough from the magazine because what would happen is we'd say hey we want to do a trip to fiji and then the f photo editor you know and sometimes we would you know i you know being the publisher at the time or some i'd say hey you know we should hook you know we should, let's get bill along a call about that trip and so they call Billabong and they line a trip up and then they pick the team that would go and then we pay for the photographer and then they go do the trip. Yeah. But then like as so, you know, it was important like because the magazines were pretty much, you know, you know, like and, and obviously like if people do a lot of ads or you're working with them more, like more trips are gonna come their way. But you know, that quickly ended because people could kind of see through that. So we started doing trips with guys with different sponsors, you know, like yeah. we so we'd have like Jay or somebody and like somebody from this company or that company and we just try to get a good fit that was a good story yeah it wasn't just about like who they're sponsored by it was like who's a good crew you know like that could be that would fit together good. yeah yeah we did one of my best trips was like I think it was like surfers like first Ireland trip and it yeah was like the Malloys and oh, Benji and uh, Evan Slater yeah. was like the staff writer he came to write the story and yeah and uh, we, we tried to start making stories out of, you know, yeah. like trips, not just trips for photos, but like a story. Like, yeah. what's Ireland like? How's it being there? What's it feel? And like the background and the locals there and then drinking, you know, beer at the pub and having the food and going on, you know, so it was like a cool, it was yeah. like, that. that's what Surfer, I think, always did really well is tell stories, you know, yeah. like it had, it wasn't just like, bam, photo, nice lighting in your face. It was like what's the story behind this person or this yeah. place or this yeah, giving you a little bit more of the cultural yeah cultural i think that's how we tried to stand out you know and i think it was it's definitely a I mean, classier more mature it was yeah but when you know it was that and when when i was there we really tried to 
modernize it too, yeah. you know, because like I, it was a little bit older and when I was there, I'm, I was younger and I'd come out of surfing and I was kind of on the pulse somewhat. So what, what was cool is we, we didn't make it older, but what we did was we embraced like the fishes and the art and the music yeah. and the Thomas Campbell and the Rob Machado trip and the old school boards and Dan Malloy and black and white on a longboard on the cover, like did some edgy art, artsy kind of cool yeah. things. And I think surfer jumped on that train really early. Joel Tudor on the cover, or just, you know, whatever it was, you know. Yeah. And again, the surfer pole. Yeah. And the surfer pole and all that was, that was so fucking awesome. Dude, when they was at, um, uh, the Grove. The Grove. Yeah. Dude, I'd get, like, an, I'd get an ulcer, man. I'm I in Huntington, like, the pre-parties and the, the limo pickups at my house. We would be... Dude, limo part, pickups, we'd be partying, big like, buses. Yeah, like, it was, we'd be like straight there and it'd be in, insane. I have I so many old photos yeah. of... Uh, some of the funniest moments, you know, like Bruce on stage, can't remember who his sponsors are. Somebody streaking <laughs> naked across the stage, you know, like... Just fun. Dane doing funny fun. things. It was fun. It was really Dane fun. Dane funny, and, weird, off-the-wall yeah. speeches. And oh, I was so like... So awkward. He'd be up there just like... <laughs> yeah. We, uh, thanks! And run off. <laughs> yeah. We, we had some... Great, I mean, we had some embarrassing moments. Like, there was a year I remember where I think we had, like, CJ and Damien tied oh. for, like, eighth place or something. And I remember one year this was... They're a, twins. They get this purpose? chair. Yeah, I don't know. And there was another year. I think this was... I forgot what this one was. But, like, one year... Chris Moro, somebody, somebody at the magazine was like, "Hey Ross, you really need to be at Surfer Pole." So he's thinking, "Oh man, I'm in the top ten or something." Yeah. So he gets to Surfer Pole, and they go ten. He's like, "Oh, I'm not tenth, ninth. No, I'm not ninth. I must be eighth, seventh, sixth, all the way to one." He didn't get in. Oh, <laughs> and it wasn't in the top God. ten. He's like, "Fuck," you know. It's like Ross Williams. Yeah, oh. I think it was like Ross. Or something. I think it was Ross. Or, I can't. What torture? But who told him to come, Chris? One of the editors, like, you should really be there, you know. Yeah. But like, I don't think he was inviting him. But like, he thought it meant like, you know. Mm. So you know, like, we, we, we've had, we had a lot of missteps. I mean, I remember yeah. we had a poster with Corey Lopez, and we spelled his name C O R E Y. On the cover, you know, and I'm just like, you got, you know, I was like, and I was the publisher. I get the bullet, yeah. you know, the call, uh, you yeah. know, and I'm just like, ah, uh, or so, it's so easy to like, you know, you got a million things happening oh, and man. deadlines and little shit like that happens. Dude, I remember anything. one time, just, I'll just give you one example, but we had a lot of industry issues, but like, you know, you know, cause the editors do something and the sponsor gets pissed. You know, yeah. Right? We write an article on the gotcha pro and Lockenau and it says Lockenau stinks cause the water was polluted. So like. But it wasn't like bad. We was just saying that this industry, you know, the, yeah, the water is blue. So it's like locking out stinks. And I think Steve Hawk was the editor at the time. And then he said something like, an industry wag said this and this and this. But so we get a call from Michael Thompson. And Michael Thompson summons us to his, his you know, Cause it's his gotcha lair. Pro. Yeah, it's gotcha. And he, runs, he So Michael Thompson summons us. So it's me, oh, shit. Steve Hawk. Somebody else. We go to Gotcha, and he's like, "What? What is this story? And why you got? You know, like, why are you writing about this?" And then you know, and then I heard you. You know, you called us an industry wag, and like he goes, "No, a wag means like, um, like in, in like old English, it means like a friend or a jester or something." You know, like so it was like he thought it was a bad word or yeah. bad. You know what I mean? So so basically, an issue would come out, and I'd be like, 
our editors could write something and we didn't know what to expect. You know, like, <laughs> like if they just said anything controversial, we get the call. Yeah. Like, you know, we got You're calls taking, from yeah, Billabong right. about something Quicksilver did or Quicksilver about something Billabong did. And we'd have yeah, to you have gotta, it, you gotta, come to Jesus like, OK, what you know, why is this going on? Why yeah. are you promoting You're walking on glass all the time? But yet you got to kind of stay in your lane and do yeah, what you think's so best. I became, you know, like a diplomat in a lot of ways, trying to keep the peace and like be fair, you know, but also respect our editors and be like, hey, these guys got to make calls. You know, they got to be able to say this and this and this and yeah. like call something out if it's not right or but it was it was it was challenging because the industry was really powerful at the time and they had a lot of money man yeah they, they were spending a lot of money and yeah they were trying look, to force images on people and and perceptions. i can imagine guys like michael thompson or who you know paul gomez or whoever calling saying dude what the fuck why don't we have you know, yeah, oh, 100%. 16 pages of, of our brand. What were no, you know I, what I mean? I, I remember there was one person I won't mention who, but like <laughs> they just would be like, We're pulling, we're getting another magnet. No, they'd just be like, You know, we want singles and doubles, Rick. We don't need a home run here and there. We want singles and doubles every month. You know, single. I'm like, You know, what I mean, they're basically insinuating we want pickers every month of our guys. And I'm just like, You know, I'm trying. I'm not trying not to say, dude. That's not how it works. Yeah. But I'm trying to say, like, you know, we'll work with you. We'll give you opportunities. But yeah, there was like pressure, man. And we had people say they were going to pull out that did pull out because of something or other politically. Was, sometimes we had to just bite the bullet. You know what I mean? So were you like, you there? You left in '09, maybe you said. Yeah, '09. I mean, it was was the digital age already on? Yeah, it just started to come on. And so how was that on cost versus like all the film like development? Like, I mean, was that? A- I mean, basically. Like our big issue of Surfer was the crescendo. This one year, I forget. I think it was like 2006 or seven. It was 336 pages, and it was the biggest magazine in the history of surfing. And we did over a million dollars in revenue in one issue, in, in ad revenue. And that doesn't even count like selling to the public, the shops, all that. Yeah, that's just at the beginning. That's just ad sales. Yeah, and it was like no one had even thought of that before. What, and, what was um, on the cover? Uh. I think it might have been, it might have been the Duke cover, like his face, the black shell Duke, yeah. like, like, you know, yeah. I can't remember the issue. And, and, but anyway, it was just, and then honestly, when the internet hit, it was like in a year, two, three, I mean, the drop in ad revenue was like astounding because everyone was like, oh, it's not cool to do print, not cool to do print. And you, they didn't even know. Yeah. They just heard, you know. So they just really started cutting that. off on the print side. And I got a really cool opportunity at the time to go work for Dragon. I, it was really out of the blue. And I didn't want to leave. I love Surfer, but like, I and I love the people there and I love my time there. Like, it was like, you know, like talk about chapters. That was. But you saw a little bit of writing on the wall and you've been there 15 years. Like, yeah, I was there like 13, 13. And I was like, you know, I got to figure a way out of this. And, and really, the, the thing that when Surfer and Surfing got bought by the same company, and then Transworld, I think, was in there for a while. I was just like, I, I got to get out. I was just like, this isn't gonna last. And I said, you know, and I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check Me what's check. out there. And I didn't really look a lot. And somebody reached out to me, this, um, Aaron Bailey from Dragon. He was like the VP over there at the time. He said, Hey, you know, can we talk? Wow. And I was like, I remember I was. So at, you didn't have to send out resumes or anything. No, like no, job options. no. I was at SEMA in Cabo. 
I was at SEMA in Cabo, I remember, and um, I told, told my friend Tony Perez, like one of my best friends, and he was he stayed at the magazine. He was great there. He was one of the legends at that place, yeah. and still to this day, all time. But I told him, and he was like, "No way!" You just couldn't believe it. Still like, for you, but better. Yeah, but no, sweet. yeah, he was like, it was bittersweet, but it was like, you know, I was just, it was my time, you know, and I and I felt good, you know, like we accomplished what we wanted to do. I met a lot of cool people. I, I got inspired by, you know, guys like Jeff Devine just in his own way or Steve Hawk or, you know, um, you know, guys I worked with, you know, Chris Morrow, Sam George, man. That guy would fire me up That's every day. I mean. You know, it's you, like you, all those names you brought up is like surfing yeah. royalty and like in, in regards to what they've contributed to. Yeah. Like and then just the surfers I industry. met, like, you know, they bring in surfers that were young, old, you know you know women men like and so all these people funneled through and we used yeah. to have these polaroids we take i you remember the polaroid yeah, wall yeah and it was just full of hundreds of photos every time someone would come in i'd take a polaroid of them someone would and we'd stick it on the wall and it was like the scrapbook of memories like you know it'd be kelly when he was really young and then older and then you know like uh Kolohe when he was a yeah. kid and then we you know so it yeah. was just like think of how many people that you've walked in the surfers doors and, and thousands met. like yeah, thousands of like yeah like every day like some a, a, like a, crew a, would come in a mini grom john john probably and then yeah. you know like no, i mean i remember courtney Collin coming in when she was like 13 yeah. 14 with her mom and i was like oh, she's she's has such a good attitude she's such a hard worker i was like oh, i really hope she does well like yeah. i could just see it in her eyes and then there's other people that come in i'd just be like you know i just you, you know, I'd say good luck, but I could kind of just tell, you know, like there's certain people you just kind of know that have that fire or not. Yeah. And a lot of parents started coming in as I got older and it was like this soccer mom and dad thing. Like, yeah. my kid's going to be a pro. Let's bring it, blah, 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 you know. And, and I remember a lot of them might say, hey, you know, and I always say, hey, like, if, if you're not going to be Kelly Slater or Bruce and Andy, yeah. you know, like, make sure you got a backup plan. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to not surf. Like enjoy it. And if you do surf, make the most of it. Yeah. But yeah. like don't think this is the, this is it. Yeah. Like, you know, either go to college, learn a trade, do something. Yeah. You know. Cuz it's so quick. Yeah, and then, you know a lot of guys the lifespan of a And a lot of guys it's quick, but they blow it because they don't even enjoy it. Like yeah. they're on these trips and they're just caring about photos. They're just like stressed all out. Along, they're partying. The and then there's other guys that go to Ireland, like you were talking about, and they're like, "Wow, look at these castles, and look at this amazing place I'm at." Some and, of the yeah, and like experiences, and, like. But I remember talking to pro guys that would go somewhere. They didn't even remember one thing about it. All I remember yeah. how much the wave sucked, and they were there, and then they were gone. Well, you know, even yeah. doing the contest tours, and I'm going to talk about myself a little bit, Lennon. Yeah, no, but the, oh, but the, you know, you're living this life of competitive trips yeah contests stress whatever and then they're like lifestyle like photo trips yeah and it's quickly like you're either you know excelling in one or both or whatever but when you're on those trips you're pretty confident like a photo trip island you're like you're pretty confident if we get waves like we're gonna get an article yeah, it's, it's a story it's gonna come together but yeah the memories of what the trip was is like that lives a Remember that we went to the castles and, you know, we're, you know, the, the mother of cliffs. And then we went to like, remember Evan had four, four uh, you know, uh, Guinnesses. Guinnesses <laughs> and he was like running naked out and it's like yeah. 20 degrees outside. He's running naked on the cliff and, you know, just like shenanigans. But it's like weird. Those are lifetime memories. I and mean, that's that, the that whole was thing. a page of like three weeks out of her life that was like. 
fucking rad. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I'm trying to, like, in my life, I, remember, I was talking to my friend yesterday about, like, being present, being in the moment, you yeah. know? Because, like, it's really hard when you're stressing and working and you get in the industry and you start working hard. You're, like, moving, 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 going, 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 worrying about the next thing, the bills, this day, that day, or w- regretting the past. I should have done this, should have done that. Yeah. And, like, you There's... know, real... Peace can come when you're when you're in present when you're in the present, and, and you know. Been, there's been trips where he got skunked, and you still had it. Yeah. made the most of it, and had a killer time. Yeah, and I just think in life it's like that. I remember Jerry Lopez said that one time to me, and and I was like, "What do you mean present?" You know, like I thought it was like some like yogi thing, you know. You know what I mean? But now, like I like Live in my life moment. now, I was yeah. just like, "Today wow. is a gift. That's why it's the present." But yeah. you know, it's corny, but it's true. It's like it's so weird, you know, because when you're present and you feel like you're where God wants you to be and yeah. where you're meant to be yeah you feel you feel like make the most of it i'm here i'm right now you know Um, what i mean and you can appreciate the past you know you can you can you can have perspective yeah you can no regrets you you can plan and you can be present all at the same time yeah so like all the p's perspective plan and be present all at once wow look at this guy you know what i mean no it's true though you can be have perspective which is the past Plan for the future and be present all at once. You don't have to just live in the future or live in the past. Yeah, you can yeah. do it all. And that's when you're wholly the person you're meant to be. And yeah. it's hard, man. I, it's really hard. I went through a time, you know, just working, working, working or stressed or about, you know, what people thought or the industry thought. And, oh, my, is not A going to call me? And, like, I'm not going to get in trouble or, like, you know, is, you know. Somebody call me not pissed because they didn't get a shot in the magazine or I'll see someone in the water or, you know, this and that. And a lot of that's just... It happens for sure. Yeah, but it, but a lot of it's just you doing on yeah, not things being that, in the you know that, worrying yeah. about the past you know like you're you're worrying about yeah things you can't control yeah instead of just being present you miss the present because you're not soaking in the moment you know what I mean and so I mean, that's how many great photos and people you've met over the years yeah. and stuff that you've been like you talked about Carol on that snap and yeah you know like fuck so fortunate. Yeah, I know. I really feel blessed for that. And that's like, you got to remember those times and, and remember like all the good you have, you know, because you can get caught up in like the negativity, you know, and it's like, and that's when I left Surfer. I felt like, you know, I, I was burned out. I was burned so did, out. He said Aaron called you out of the blue. Aaron Bailey kind of was, they were looking for someone to come in to be the global brand director at Dragon. And um, they were going through a big transition. So I came on secretly, like had some meetings with them and they had some, uh, some investors that had like come in to like help purchase back the company. And, um, Will was the main owner, Will Howard. And, you know, he passed away this year. I mean, God bless him. He was a great guy and Aaron. And, um, yeah, so I got to go work at, at Dragon. They, they, they picked me and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And it was kind of a risk cause I love surfer and I felt like it was the best job I ever had, and I work with some of the best people, you know. Even but look at Dragon's team and who you're going to work with. Yeah. Like, you know, like... But I mean, even the guys like Randy, who worked in the back in the warehouse for 40 years, and Chuck Elliott, one of my good buddies, and just guys that just did, like, normal Yeah, you're jobs. breaking up with, like, you're, you know, you're divorcing, yeah, and like... like... Yeah, and it's like... The office was close to you, too, right? No, no, I was oh. in Dana Point. I lived down... I've always lived in North County. I lived in Cardiff for most of my life, and now I'm in Lucadia. But, um, yeah, so I just started working as Dragon. I showed up there, global brand director, and I'd just been with the magazine. So I had, like, all these connections. I had a lot of knowledge. Being a global brand director is way different. It's like, it was like going to get a master's degree. You know, you have to have a go-to-market strategy. You got launches in the northern hemisphere, the southern hemisphere. You got goggles. You got sunglasses. You got optical. You got moto goggles. You got, you know, like, you, you got... 
accessories. You know, there's licensees, there's distributors. So, like, I had to put together a plan. I had a lot of people I worked with that were amazing. But, yeah, it was a good time in my life. You know, I won't spend a lot of time, you know, because it was, it was just kind of a blur. It was so much. It was so gnarly. Nine years. But it was like eight or nine years, yeah. And, um, you know, I came on as global brand director. They were kind of like in a spot where they were regrouping. And they, their goal was to try to find somebody to come in and buy it. And they brought me on to sort of help, you know, build the image of the brand, you know, from that perspective. Yeah. There's a lot of good people. And they, the product is really what was, like, especially on the goggle side, was amazing. And the, and the product is really on the snow goggle side with the Apex goggle and stuff, a couple things they did. But the heritage of Dragon was so cool. You know, like, when I grew up, <clears throat> everybody rode for Dragon. The logo, the name. I mean, everybody rode yeah. for Dragon, yeah. you know what I mean? But I didn't wear a lot of Dragons, you know what I mean? Because I just didn't have them, and, you know, they didn't get them to me. But I didn't, or rode for Arnett or somebody. But anyway, so I was familiar with Dragon and loved it. And Chewy was the man. Like, he was the best team manager probably ever to live. And, and uh, that was just a magic time. So I came to this iconic brand. They were sort of transitioning. They started making new product that was better and better and better. And uh, they came up with this goggle, that's the Apex goggle. And their snow goggles were always the bomb. You know, they had Jamie Lynn from the beginning, they Danny Davis. They had like the craziest snow team, skate team, and then surf team. They have, they had, they've had Rob and Mick on their team yep. for 30-something years. <laughs> their whole careers. Dorian. Dorian? Yeah. Well, what other sponsor does that? And, you know, Will could be a hard ass and he was gnarly. But one thing is he was loyal to his surfers and his, his team team riders. Like, no other company is. They were. Yeah. Even when, like, they would, you know, they just they support the team. They'd spend so much money on the team. And I'd be like, well, you know, we're spending a lot on the team. Or somebody else would. And you'd be like, that's what it is. Okay, so yeah. did Oakley start dragging to compete with the, all the other brands or help fund it? Like, I mean, I wasn't there at the beginning, you yeah. know, but I know that, but you know, that's, that's a rumor, right? Yeah. That was a rumor. Yeah. You know, oh, they're made at the same factory as Oakley's doing the, you know, there, there could have been some relationships where they're helping them with production. I think there, it's common know. knowledge at yeah. this point that Oakley was a part, you know, was an investor and part of, of Dragon. For and, sure. And then Dragon yeah. basically, when they kind of started to, to, dipped down is because Oakley was blowing up and they just didn't want to invest in Dragon. So Will bought the company back, took it over. He did start it on his own. Yeah. Started out of I mean, he, you know, but somehow that, that connection but was I'm made. Like, yeah, like who cares? They partnered with the biggest, one of the biggest, best, you know, yeah. brands to help with. Thanks, yeah, big brother. Yeah. But it was, it was t- difficult. Like even when I worked there, people were like, well, they lied to me. They said they weren't part of Oakley and they were, you know, like, and I'd be like, I don't, I wasn't even there, man. Like yeah. I just, I'm just been <laughs> here. Matter? So anyway, we were there and kind of blew up. And then we had the, the floatable collection. We did these cool photo shoots with Mick and these guys and the glasses floating on the water. And then we had the Apex goggle and we had a really good creative director named Dave Wadetz and, you know, some product guys like Mike Tobia and some people that were great. And then basically we just kind of got in a position where this company called Marshawn put in an offer to buy the company. And, Marsh- and Marshawn is a, a big licensing group out of New York. Oh, New York. And they're owned by VSP, which is Vision, sort of their largest vision um, insurance company in, in America, worth like $4 billion. But Marshawn's a small part of it. And they have licensees with like Nike and all these companies. But they wanted us to make the goggles for Nike for the Olympics. So that's basically why they bought it. Once they bought it, they started optical, optical eye sunglass sale yeah. or eyewear sales. Not optical, not sunglass too, you know. <clears throat> and, it, you know, started doing pretty well. You know, we didn't, you know, it, it was... 
they started integrating their people. You know, I learned so much from that. that uh, that's why I was stoked. I saw how a company gets acquired by another company from the inside. I was a shareholder, small, <laughs> not much. But I saw all yeah. of it, like, you know, the discovery process, the presentation, then the, you know, the due diligence, and then, like, the acquisition, and then the terms of the acquisition. And then, so I really got an education how an actual company gets bought from the inside. And, you know, they did a good job, Marshawn. I mean, it was great for, for Dragon and, you know, but like every company, you guys know it, there's a honeymoon period. Oh, we're so happy we yeah. bought you guys, you know, and you, we're going to see that with board riders and all this other stuff. Let's see how yeah, that all goes. Chopping ball comes. Yeah, and then like, changes. then their honeymoon, then they're like, wait, what did we buy? Or who did we marry? Yeah. You know, she looked really good, but now she's kind of getting a little janky, you know what I mean? And then like, you're like. <laughs> Damn, man, that yeah. girl got, I don't know about yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta, always get an answer to somebody yeah, that then, then doesn't see eye to eye with you. Then it's like, we got to cut some expenses. Like, yeah. Who's this Rick Irons guy? You know what I mean? What the hell does he do? You know what I mean? So all a lot of the core people all were gone. I was like the last Mohican. You know what I mean? And they let me go, and I'm like, ah. You know, but it was like, they just eliminated a position. They gave me a good, you know, all this stuff. And I was, but I had learned so much. I was like, oh, I'll find another job. Yes. Global brand director, I'll just go work at, you know, Quick Belt. You know, I learned like the outdoor market, you know, this and that. And, uh, you know, so I left and it was like at 50 years or 49, eight years old, I was like, I got to figure it out. And uh, that, that happens to a lot of industry people, you know, yeah. and I wanted to bring that up. Like, don't give up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's always a new chapter and like, you got to find it. Sometimes people can't let go and move on. And that's, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. And I just, like, I was trying, and I thought, oh, I'd get an industry job, this and that, and it just wasn't happening. And I, I the ones that were out there were kind of smaller jobs and this and that and the other, and, you know, I was like, what am I going to do, you know? Because I loved, you know, Dragon was great. I got to hang out with Mick Fanning and Owen Wright, and yeah. we worked with Shane and Rob, yeah, friends of mine. as much as it's supplying, you know, a, you know money yeah, it was to, relationship you know, for driven. your family, you, it's also the perks of having that cool job. Yeah, and I you learned know, so much. I got to go snowboarding in cool spots, and yeah. learn, you know, went to Breckenridge a bunch, and SIA, and like... It's all about mixing business with pleasure. And we used to go to yeah. Nicaragua every year, so I started going down to Colorado's. Yeah, the and I would challenges, right? That's well, we do. Uh, they used to have the surf shop challenge down there yeah. when I was a surfer, but no, this was a drag. We take um, clients down, yeah, yeah. Clients. every year, and so like I just I got my surf fix in doing that, and you know, use my creative side of my brain. But now I was like, what am I going to do? You know, like. Am I going to go be a guy that goes to surf shops and makes the displays look nice? Or am I going to work on the website? Or marketing people just became expendable. You know, basically it's like there's one big marketing person and a bunch of minions underneath. Yes. Yeah. It's and, not departmentalized. Yeah. You know, and, like and, and really guy or yeah. Yeah. And then and also marketing, there's one marketing person and like that's it. They don't have levels of marketing people. And a lot of time marketing people are the first to go, you know, unless you're really established. There's certain guys that lasted but it's not gonna last forever you're gonna age out yeah don't matter what marketing budgets are the yeah and first to get so the really where the companies want is sales support retail support and online support and that's it and then a marketing person comes with a plan and an agency or somebody could build it it was so different from back when we went, when we went out to the magazine i mean the creativity there was amazing guys would come up and on napkins write ideas out and come up with a plan and like 
over beers talk about a campaign and what we're gonna do and do and then they just do it like off off the cuff. Some of this, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just yeah. cool. Like it was like, yeah, really we'll have some hey. beers. We'll go do a pool shoot and then we'll go yeah. like party after. And we'll, hey, like, when they say creative juices, they're talking about this yeah. tequila, right? <laughs> no, but right. it was like some of the best ideas just came up over guys sitting around chilling together after surfs and talking about it, you know. And it was just, it's just different now. And that's not, it's not bad now. It's just the it's way changes. it is. Yeah. It's the way it is. But like, it's not bad, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, one thing is so funny, real quick story about the competitiveness of, of, of the companies back yeah. in the day. I remember Shaddy used to come over from Electric Shaddy. all the time. So he'd come by and like, and we, I'd have my like Arnett's on or something by accident. He's like, oh, let's go to lunch. I go, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah let's go to lunch. He's like, I'll take you to lunch. So we're driving. And I'm going around the corner in Dana Point. He's like, what are those glasses? And I go, oh, they're not. He goes, so let me take a look at those. And right as I turn the corner, he opens the window and just throws them out in the street as I'm driving. And <laughs> they just it. get run over by a car. And he's like, yeah, you can have mine. He puts the electrics on me. And I'm like, that happened like 10 times. That's hilarious. I remember one time I was at uh, the UCSC. Yeah, somewhere. shaddy. <laughs> uh, one time I was at UCSC and, um, and I was with, uh, uh, I had a Nixon watch on. And I saw Petrie, Rick Petrie. He's at Rip Curl. And he's like, oh, what's that watch? I go, oh, that's Nixon. It was like one of those nice Nixon. He goes, let me see that. I give it to him. He throws it on the ground and just stomps on it and oh. breaks it. I'm like, what? He's like, don't you, worry, I'll get you a new one. You and sick. <laughs> wow. I'm like, what? These guys were competitive, man. It was like, yeah. I remember what, another time, one last funny story. I was like walking and I had like electrics on or something. And I see Greg Arnett. And I walk around the corner and he sees me and I'm all, hey, Greg. And I went like that and took my like my other glasses off, the electrics. And I go, how's it going? You shake me. He goes, what do you got behind your back? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I saw you take those glasses off. And I pull them out. I'm like, oh. you know, because you're selling ads. You don't want to see the. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So back to Dragon. I just. Product tour, bro. You know, got to get me on the yeah. siphon. It was competitive. And yeah. that was fun. Yeah. I miss that. Everybody's bros now. Like, I almost wish there was... I was talking to someone yesterday. I'm like, I want surfers to, like... Surfers to be like the way Andy was and Kelly and, like, guys, you know, and and companies that, like, hey, didn't like each other, you know? And, like... That's what brings out the best out of of brands Competition, dude. Friendly rivalry or, or, like, heated rivalry. Yeah, look at at Kobe, dude. He was the coolest dude, but he was freaking a beat. He was competitive. Yeah, the best. And, you know, and that competition is good, you know? So, like... Yeah, so my, my, my next move was like, okay, my kids are, you know, almost done with high school. I got to figure something out. And, like, oddly enough, I, you know, I, I tried to get jobs, and I was like, here's this or that. And I was, I don't know. And you want at least a job that, you know, you're not taking steps back, you know. So, you know, I'm yeah, sure you've had an opportunity. And I had to think of something that I didn't age out. In the surf industry, people age out. You know what I mean? You could be a rep for a long time, but there's people that we know, and I'm not going to say their names, they, they, they're they 60, 65, and they're brand 30, 40 years, gone. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, a lot of them have done well, so that's great. But, so I, oddly enough, I had a... I'm way too young for that, yeah. Of course, you're still... A I still got a couple of years. <laughs> you, on the other hand? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I will kick you in the dig dig, dude. <laughs> so, you know, everybody I knew sells real estate, and I was like, oh my God, everybody I know th- sells real estate. Yeah. I know. And I, I was like, I can't do that. There's like, I, if, if, in, if I throw a rock, I could hit 21 you know, real estate, real estate agents and they're my friends. So I was like, all right. And then somebody I knew through surfing old school, like down in Sunset Cliffs and all that, he worked in the insurance world. And he's like, hey, I know a company that might give you a chance. 
And I was like, okay. So I met with them. And I'm like, I don't even know anything about, you know, insurance, you know, whatever. I was like the last thing I thought, you know. So I went and but met with successful, them. successful, right? Like yeah, it, I met with them, you know, and I, they kind of told me and this company called Snap and Associates. Um, I was like, you know, I had never heard of them, but they're kind of a large independent firm that is down in San Diego. Come to find out there, you know, 40, 50 people that work there are third rated and, you know, San Diego Business Journal in size. And so I was like, okay, I got a team that can help me. I got my contacts, my network, and I've just learned it. You know, I've been doing it almost six years now, and I really understand it can, it can help people now. And it's been really cool because it's the kind of job you don't really age out in, you know. And I don't know anyone that sells insurance, which was all like, all right, at least like if I'm not going to run into like butt heads with somebody that's my bro doing it too much. And uh, yeah, I started doing it. I mean, at first, you got to grind, man. You don't make yeah. a lot of money. You got to build your business, you got to prove yourself, you got to yeah. come up with good plans for people, you know, rates, like protect them and when something happens, make sure they're covered, help them with claims and billing issues and really come up with stuff that, that people don't think about. Some people get lazy doing insurance, so I'm, I'm trying to fire it up and I've used my, you know, my connections to, to work with some great people, even in the industry. I have San Diego, um, you know, do stuff for Rusty, Channel Islands, um, you know, Florence, you know, some companies in the industry that are great, but you know, I try to help them. You know, they don't just give me the business because I'm Ricky. Like, can never uh, be overinsured. Yeah, 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 no, but they just want to. <laughs> I gotta prove it. Like, it's like yeah. you gotta know what you're doing. You know, and it's but like, you gotta give them a reason. Like, hey, this hey, is what they're I've not seen. doing business with you because you're Ricky Irons. It's because you're Ricky Rocky Point Irons. That's right. I forgot the Rocky <laughs> Point. If you put it that way, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like but, you know, but it, you are helping people too, which is rewarding as a job. Uh, I mean, you know. Yeah, and it's like it's not as well, it's also, like you learn about the glorious. No, you learn about the business there every time you do it, and what you learn about is the the operational side, the risk management, because companies' biggest issues are risk, and yeah. if if they don't manage their risk, like inventory, inventory over here, hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, all these companies. The best line, one of the best lines I ever heard was coming back from somewhere, and I'm standing in um, customs and this older couple was in front of me and this older lady and her husband and she's like you know oh i don't even know why you brought that you know you're probably not going to need it we're not going to need this and then he turns around he goes it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it (laughs) that's what he said his wife And, and I was just like, whoa. That's know. a good point. That's insurance. Dude. Yeah, somewhat it is. You know, like some of my good friends that I've, you know, or people I know and are good friends, and, you know, they're like, hey, look, if it's apples to apples, I'm going to go with my friend that can do it every time. So yeah. if I can bring you to the table and they have confidence in me, they'll do it. If it's apples to oranges and I can't help them or give them a better deal or at least equal, then they're going to try someone else. Yeah. But the funny thing about insurance is I'm actually a young buck. Like, you know, it's like I go to these insurance conferences, I'm looking around like, these guys are old farts that don't surf. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good old boy industry, huh? Yeah. So, no, it's kind of a cool thing because a lot of, like, your best years in insurance probably are like 50 to 65. You know what I mean? Because you're like, who's jumping in the ring? Yeah, I know. You got a little gray hair. You got some stories. This guy guy looks trustworthy over here. Yeah. But like in the surf industry, that's like 25 to 35 or something. You know, it was kind of funny because I was like, all right, I I can see myself doing this for a while and see how it goes. You know, I mean, you know, it's not like gangbusters it's not easy you gotta work hard but I enjoy it yeah, like, you gotta be knowledgeable and trustworthy yeah, and, 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 it's, and at the end of the day like you said you gotta give them up 
And I'll, well, I'm the thing I like about it, because I've, I've always been like, even with school, you're asking me what I like to do or how I was good in school. Like, I like to problem solve. And so, like, there's problem solving in insurance. Like, okay, what if this happens? What if this happens? Then you do this. It's like an equation, you know, like how much money you're making, how much risk do you have, how much do you need to insure, what happens if, the, you know, you have to think and calculate and come up with a plan, you know, and I always have been like that as a person trying to... And you're good with numbers? Solve problems. Yeah, I'm pretty good with numbers, you know, and just like try to like figure things out, you know yeah. what I mean? I like to solve problems and that's what keeps me going every day. It's like, okay, today's a new day. What What's today going to hold? What am I going to do today? How am I going to make the most of this day? You know, and that's what I've been trying to do. I still surf, you know, quite a bit. I've been, you know, kind of retiring to the fish and the mid lane. Yeah, what, what, what model are you still on Rusty's? No, I've been riding um, different boards. I have some Christensen nice. fish, and then I have um, some He's boards. got some good fishes, huh? And then from Degree 33, there's a guy, an old school shaper. Um, Degree 33? Yeah. Trevor. Yeah, Trevor yeah. is a really good friend of mine. I love oh, Trevor. Nice. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they just... They're just good guys. You know he's from Huntington. Yeah. Yeah. He went to Huntington High or something. Yeah. 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 He wrote for HSS back in the day. Yeah. 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 He's a great guy. And um, so I got like this cool, um, this Bill Menard shaping. He's like a 72 yard shape. He's been shaping for, he's, I don't know him well. He's is kind it of a mid length or is it a. Well, I have like a 5.8 quad I ride a lot. And then from, I. From him? Yeah. From him. And then I have a 6.8 twin mid length. And then I have like a normal shortboard JS. And, um, you know, I ride my shortboard mostly do step offs a lot, like at DMJs with Gary Clisby and do, nice. the, do the step off there. Out of the out of the the mix at the jetty, it's just so Yeah, so what's I mean, I got barrel more in the last two years than I did like the last ten before it. You know, because when you're out there and it's right, it doesn't get good a lot, but when it's good you can get you get a fill, you know. So it's, it's What's Clisby doing now? He's uh, he he has his boat, a charter boat, okay. and then he does real estate too. Cool. Yeah, and he's doing well. He's... I haven't seen him in a while. And this that guy, he was awesome. Yeah, his kids in a so band. Uh, his, he's paddle out. Yeah, his kids in a band called Almost Monday, and they're actually blowing up. Nice. They're, they're really starting to like. They play big audiences, and like they're they're signed with a label, and so yeah, I keep in touch with a lot of the old crew, like my friends from Surfer. I still see people around, you know. It's yeah. like it's kind of a family, you know. Yeah. It's like we're all family. So like, even us, like we haven't seen each other in a long time, but for sure we remember. Yeah, like, and like you know, I, I remember you smoking me out on the ping pong table, bro. It was competitive. <laughs> we had a couple of good games. Like it was, I, it hurt. It hurt. I walked. I drove away from there, going, "What the fuck just happened?" Well, you yeah, are a little competitive. Me. Yeah. I am. We're all competitive, we though. All, like, yeah. jail, this guy and you. I love... Oh. Yeah. But, like, we're really good ping pong players. But I... And I, I don't think I was playing for a long time. Yeah. That's not it, man. Don't make <laughs> it. It's like riding a bike, bro. No, you, were, you, had, you had, like, something wrong with your eye that day. You couldn't see well. Probably, yeah. <laughs> or your wrist was hurting. Yeah. Like, but I'd, sure I'd rather play somebody better than me and lose, oh, yeah. you know, to know that, like, that, that challenge oh. and there's somebody there to... Have I, you guys played each other? It's been a it's, I can't forever. Remember. I mean, yeah. we used to play at Surfer Mag. We yeah. had a table in the back. That's where you kicked yeah. my ass. Yeah, at Surfer. And no, I beat yeah. you at Un- ASR at the trade show in front of everybody. Yeah, we did. Yeah, ASR. I don't remember that. We must have blocked. You were it drunk, out. dude. You were. For yeah, sure. you were like, it was I don't know. He hour. plays pretty damn good when he's drunk. Had a few. <laughs> no, but we we played there one time too. Oh, oh! I call the wall. Or he claims of the wall because he. I would just slam after slam. Maybe would, you weren't drunk. That's yeah. why you were losing. Probably. Uh, yeah. yeah, but no, I was. Yeah. Are, are you? Um, I do. I do hot yoga a lot now. Sick. 
So I've been doing that about three or four days a week, trying to keep keep healthy. And yeah. you know, my kids sucks getting old. Yeah, so my kids. Plunges? What? Doing I, cold plunges? I, I want one. I just don't have one, or I would do it. I like to go in the cold shower. Rob, Rob Colby started it. I do. I heard dude, it. Santa, Santa Barbara what? Santa Barbara Cold Plunge Company. I, ice baths. Yeah, ice bath. No, yeah. Rob's awesome. But yeah, I haven't. I want to get one. But um, yeah, I did just ask some surfing. You have to sell working. a lot of insurance. Dude, I don't have. You have to skip on a freaking. I'm not a baller. Yeah. I know. I'm paying my dues right now, but it's, it's you know it's going really well. The insurance thing actually. I'm That's doing great. Better than I expected, you know. And, and once you start so getting if, the rhythm, if somebody needs insurance out there in the in the in the internet world, who how do they get in touch with you? Uh, the Facebook, LinkedIn. Well, Instagram. you can DM me on like yeah. you know Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah, and our company's called Snap and Associates. Yeah. But you know, but your Instagram's Rick Tater. Rick Tater. Yeah. yeah. R I C T A T O R. They just that was a joke when I worked at Surfer because they acted like I was the dictator. And yeah. I was not. That was bullshit. That was not me. <laughs> Rick Tater. Yeah. Rick Tater too. Yeah. Rick Tater. I don't know. Are but you I, part of a board riders club? The Instantest one, yeah. But I don't. Nice. I don't compete. But I just, you know, we have a great team down there. Those guys are. We have some good guys, right? You know, there's a lot of good teams, but yeah, the fifteen dollar is cutthroat. Then there's a lot of good. chop your legs out to get on the team. There's so. a lot of good. The most competitive age bracket is the fifties, I think. Oh, we got and Jason, then the forties. We got Shooky and like we're and, then it's, and, and then it's a fourteen under. So it's a it's the spectrum. It's yeah. like the fourteen yeah. and unders, and then it's the. The X. 50s, and then it goes 40s, and then, you know the, the legendary pros are oh. still freaking ripping. I can't yeah. wait to age up in the 50s and the 40s. I'm like, I'm getting. I mean, I've been lucky enough to do well in some, but man, these guys are gnarly. There's some dude. There's some guys that are in their 50s. Or... Machado, dude. Every time Pete Mel goes out, he drops like freaking eight fives. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's good to see you guys still doing that. Yeah, like that's what I was. You know, like even when I was a surfer, I'm like, we should do a story called Second Act. Or next year, like, what do what, what do people do after they are pro surfers? Where are they Slater's now? Slater's gonna do yeah. a master's like, tour. Like, where dude. are they now? You know, but hey, that's what we are right here. Second act, late night with Chalky. Second yeah. act, dude. I thought I was going. <laughs> I thought I was going on Joe Rogan, man. I was like, this is like Joe Rogan. Better watch out. Yeah. We'll, next time we'll bring some cigars and some I don't know what other we'll stuff. We'll just eat mushrooms. Yeah, why not? Dude? Some psychedelics. Oh my god, yeah, Shane. You know, Shane would. Has he done your show yet? Dorian? No, we got yeah, Ross yeah. on here. We we talked. You know, he's yeah. It's just hardcore. If they're guy. in town, they'll yeah. be here. You know, yeah. it's just it's just lining people up. Yeah, but yeah, Rogan's he's all right. He's got a small following. But, you know. <laughs> Can we get it, one one tenth of one hundred? Are you guys? Is he as big as you guys? Uh, he's getting there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give him a bone. Well, I, we'll he him. he wanted me today, and I had to come here instead. I was like, <laughs> look, thank dude, you. I hey, yeah. we appreciate that. Yeah, I was like. What am I gonna do here? You know. Yeah. So now, nah, but it's good. It's uh, my son. I'm you know I have my kids. I'm really thankful for them. My son's gonna be a senior at UCSD. My daughter's awesome. a I'm sophomore here. at San Francisco State. Tanger, and, you're on the distant cusp of I know free master man. You, get, you, so. st- you gotta slang some insurance until they get out of college, huh? Yeah, I gotta do something. But yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's 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 just a building. You know, it's like you're building. your you're stacking up accounts doing your best to take care of them and keep them long term and yeah so i mean i you know i'm thankful i got something going on i can do and right. you know i'm still getting the water still keeping touch with friends and still just thankful you know god's given give me a lot of things to be thankful for you know been yeah. the hard times too like a lot of bullshit you yeah. know hard times and everyone goes through it i haven't had a perfect life whatsoever but those hard things only made me a better person you know totally yeah. i mean you know 
providing is important, you know, obviously it's like, you know, take care of the family, but like being healthy, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, man, all all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how surfing keeps us young, vibrant and positive. Yeah. Just, you you never get out of the water unless you get burned or you break your board or you get hurt. You know, you're coming out of the water. Like, I'm so glad I paddled out. Yeah, or like just yesterday though was a day that I wish I didn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few days like that. But I just like to jump in the water sometimes and just swim in it. I'm just like, this is great. It you feels know, great, right? yeah. But yesterday, I had a Shit. complete shocker. shocker. He, I can't believe this guy rips shocker, and he he does these like, I just cooked it so hard today. Hey, you know how you like, like put your head in the water and shout. <laughs> You did that. So people can't hear you? Oh my I did God. that so many times yesterday, I almost lost my voice. <laughs> that was It was that bad. And it was it was crazy because I waited, you know. I did some work, and then I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to go surfing. And I get there, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of it's kind of good. And then a guy gets out, and he's like, it's not that good. But there are corners every once in a while, and it's still glassy. So I get out there, wind turns. <laughs> Oh, and then, like, the longest lull ever, ever, and it was like, oh, like head high overhead, and then all of a sudden it was garbage, and I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? And then I get out, and um, I see uh, uh, your one of your competitors. I don't know if you were still there, but, um, Travis Foray. Oh yeah, Travis Foray was pal- yeah, yeah. suiting up, getting going out. And he looks at me, he's like, how was it? I'm like, oh, shit. And then I look, I'm like, oh, it's getting better. <laughs> and this guy is so surf psych. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I'll go out now. I look at the report and it says, like, Port Affair, two to three. And then I'm, he calls me, he's like, dude, there's so many good ones. I got the sick ones. And I'm like, <laughs> I just looked at eight cameras and I, I couldn't Dude, I have get friends motivated. like that. Every day they're like, oh, it's really fun. I'm like, dude, I've been, I'm in bed with my coffee, looking at my phone, going, no. Yeah. I'm like, this guy's like, like frothing. Like, wave pools? Any wave pool experience yet? No, no. I haven't got there. Just uh, keeping it simple. I would love to. I just, it's too expensive, right? Yeah. And I just, I just haven't had a, time or reason i'd probably go check it out sometime i will i'm not against it yeah. i think they're rad but oceanside's I, supposed to get one yeah is, is, is the rumor i don't know i mean i i usually just surf around north county i surf a lot of like cardiff seaside you know go up to you pano. know pano yeah, yeah. oceanside oh. you know and when i was younger i'd surf it's big, a good zone you know, man. yeah a lot of spots south yeah. mission jetty and big rock you know spots that you're not yeah. supposed to talk about so yeah yeah you're, you're, i can't we'll cut that out no but yeah it's all it's all good you know i'm like i've, I've had so many good surf days i don't really froth i just yeah. kind of like if it's a good one great if it's not it's okay you know like I, or I, if i go out great if i don't it's okay like, yeah i think the trying to go out and have a like a really good session you're gonna probably come out yeah. not psyched if you go out with like i just want a couple good turns yeah. or like one you know just get wet and just have one something memorable one turn one wave whatever then it's like no you gotta you're keep guarantee you're coming out way more buzz than if you had your expectations up there is there sure. any other thing you want to promote like i don't really you know just i just want to promote you know people to take care of themselves you know just like i know how it is to go through the industry and go through life and just make sure you're always, you know, you know, right spiritually and physically and mentally, you know, just to be, have a holistic life, you know, don't think it's just all about one or the other. It's just like eating right, exercising, being with your friends, 
being right spiritually with you know God or whatever and and just I think it's just people got to you know we live in a world that's pretty chaotic yeah there's a lot of stuff just coming at us and you know, I've felt it dude. I've not like I've said I've had struggles and trials and I just know that it's important for people to take care of themselves man because yeah. like we're still yeah. young like you know like it's, it's like we have a lot of life left and yeah I'm only getting younger. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, like a bottle of wine. <laughs> fine wine, you know? And just to be present, yeah. So I just I just want to, yeah, I just want to thank all the people that have inspired me along the way. You know, I do want to promote that. Like, I had some really good people in my life, and I, I really appreciate my mom and dad. And, you know, my dad is sick, and, then, you know, that's been difficult. He's uh, fighting dementia and some Oof. things, so it's just like... Mm. You know, it's been it's been hard, you know, but such good memories, you know, and I just want to make sure every day my life matters with yeah. my kids and my friends. Well, or, I'm glad we got And to... we have short lives, you know. We yeah. just heard about our, our good friend, Greg Browning, you know. Yeah, it's like, so tragic. I mean, and, you know, he, he just, that's why, you know, even though it's cheesy, every day is a gift and, like, you just don't know, you know. Lost a lot of good people and just like yeah. make every day count. That's all I would say. And go fucking surf, dudes. Yeah, go you surf. And hang out with your friends and you know, yeah. and hang out with your family. And before you leave, though, we want to take do you some parting gifts. Yeah, some parting gifts. Oh, man, little shade sunscreen. Oh, thanks, Strider and the boys. Yeah, we got some late night with chalky paraphernalia, some koozies, some stickers. Oh, got the golden You're hat. the hat already. Well, this thing's pretty dope, dope. Bonsai bowls, live life in the bowl. What? Asahi bowls that you could uh, hit up one of their five locations in California or two in Hawaii. I think the closest one Joe Bard. Is, yes. My boy, I love that guy. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, San Clemente is probably the closest, but. Yeah, all good. Uh, Ashland Hard Seltzers. We nice. we love yeah. the the sodas. Uh, Thank good, you. Good oh, one thing. Uh, also, we're sponsored by this company called Neon Wave, and right now this is Neon Wave. Their website. When you go there and somebody purchases fifty, somebody purchases fifty dollars and over, they get a free gift: a late night with chalky hat. Yep, late night with so chalky. They got to enter at in. The, uh, Promo code yeah. at the checkout, and you get. Do a you free sign hat. it? Do you do you sign it? Do you deliver it? <laughs> do you should. deliver it? They, they, it comes from thisisneonwave.com. Why don't you just Huge bring sponsor. it to them and just tap them? You know. <laughs> and then we got Earth Pack for all your sticker and bag needs. Yes, and all you got your packaging surf, needs. Yep. Sir, uh, surf side, spider, spider, spider the, tennis is the best. And then they got Hobie stuff. Recycle packaging. All right. Yep. Dude, I'm getting I'm getting geared if, up right here. Dude. Yeah. And if yourself or Walk your, any of your clients, anybody you know is looking to do a pool, we got Caballero Pools and Spas as yep. a sponsor. So All right. outdoor hardscape pool. Let's and for every pool and home and business, yep. they need insurance. There you go. <laughs> you see my skate ramp? I mean, uh, is your homeowner's ramp? policy? No, you have a skate ramp? No. All right, cut that out. All right. So, all right. Hey, Ricky, really, that was awesome, bro. Yeah, thanks, you guys. I'm so, Rick. We've been wanting to do this for a while. I'm yes. so We got to, and Rick, you guys are the real deal. Ricky Rocky. Ricky Rocky Point Irons. Ricky Rocky Rocky yeah. Point Irons. Yeah. Uh, I love and it. the Rictator. The Rictator. Peace. Peace out. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down, the best bulls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California, bonsai bowls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill, 
clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashlyn, hard seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashlyn, hard seltzer. Shade sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.